It is Monday, January 8th, 2018. My name's Anthony. I'm here with Michael, and this is Time Lapse, the podcast where cars and watches are the focus, but tangents are sometimes the reality. Let's get into it. Okay, well, uh, I guess we'll start off saying Happy New Year, yeah, everyone, Happy New Year happy, for all our listeners. Happy 2018. We made it. We made uh, it uh, barely. Well, yeah, barely made it. <laughs> barely made it. Um, me and me and Mikey do want to offer our sincerest apologies to our uh, very loyal listeners. We did promise you guys that we were going to record or pre-record. Uh, something for the holiday uh, weeks that we that we had yeah, off. Yeah, because Anthony was on vacation yeah. for a week, and, and uh, we were going to upload something, but yeah. we didn't get the chance to pre-record. Again, life happens. Yeah, the gods did not allow, it seems. Yeah, no, um, we both had family stuff with Christmas yeah. and whatnot, and with you going away, you had to get ready. Yeah. And then I fell deathly ill. I was I on my deathbed. Let's not be. Uh, it was very traumatic. Um, I was in ICU. No, Mikey lies to you. He'd, he'd like to have you believe that he was just lazy. No, no, no. I, I was genuinely sick. Uh, I had like a fever, and yeah, uh, no, no, we're very happy. Flu. We're very happy that he's ba- he's back with us. And I was in bed for like five days. Gee, and I, I honestly didn't even know you didn't even make the effort to to reach out to me. I, I, I went to sleep uh, Christmas Day, so that was a Monday. Went to sleep, and I honestly had no idea what happened for the next two days. Wow, I just woke up Thursday afternoon, and I was like, all right. I should you probably, missed Boxing Day. I should probably shower. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Solid thing you do after. No, and then days. I just hung around for the next three or four days doing nothing, resting, yeah. and better now. Yeah, I mean, nothing. I mean, the, we're, we're happy to have it you back. It seems like a lot of people are sick in the Toronto area, actually. It's the weather. We we Probably. have one week that's you know plus three, plus five, and another week that's minus twenty two. Yeah. It's just all over the place. But Even at work, there's just people sick and yeah. Just, eh. Well, I'll find out tomorrow. I know one of my buddies called in sick today, but uh, tomorrow will be my first day back. So I am after a long so vacation, two weeks. Wow, I'm out of it. I'm out of it. Must but be nice. I'll I'll kick in the gear. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. and uh, in that time, actually. Uh, Another reason why we didn't record is uh, we had a death of the MacBook. Very unfortunate. Uh, my MacBook crapped out after probably what nine years. Nine years. Yeah, uh, we both no, got seven our, years. Well, yeah. We, sorry, seven yeah, years. we both got our MacBook Pros in 2010. Yeah, 2010, 2011, around yeah. there. I forgot. Yeah. And uh, mine's still kicking. We did, we did um, actually upgrade or mod for the car community out there. We modded our MacBook Pros, upgraded the RAM, you know, solid state drives. You you change your battery and I had to change my battery. It was blowing up. Um, Honestly, basic stuff. But yeah. hey, it, it extended the extended the life. <laughs> a little tongue twister. Yeah, it, no, did. it, it extended the life tremendously, and yeah, uh, I was very happy with these things are are actual workhorses. You know, I know people say a lot of people hate on them, but they do. But they're just the fanboys. Yeah, the PC fanboys. Exactly. Yeah, you pay a little bit more money, but give me a PC that's going to run as good as this one does seven years in. In this excellent package. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. Sleek, you know, and it's still like even my uh, seven-year-old Ma- uh, MacBook Pro still looks pretty relevant. It doesn't look as aged or dated. Yeah, well, even when we were there, they had the option of buying um, a last-generation MacBook mm-hmm. that came out last year, the Mac MacBook Pro, and yeah. it was substantially more thin. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like... Aesthetically, looked identical. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
It's very impressive. Um, And again, some would say it's the Audi A5 of computers. Some would say. Okay. Well, because they they kept the aesthetic for so long. Oh. Think about it. That car went through one generation over like a decade and a half. Maybe not a decade and a half. A decade. Yeah. No, yeah. A decade, yeah. No, I mean, that's Audi. Okay, tangent over. Um, That is a a New Year's resolution. Less tangents. No, we're going somewhere with this. uh, Sorry, that's right. (laughs) At the Apple store, we actually ran into someone pretty interesting. An interesting fellow. Uh, the genius himself. Yes. Uh, no, the guy that that helped us mm-hmm. purchase my MacBook. Genius is being used in, in, in no... We're not joking here. This guy was actually a very, very interesting man. Oh, he's very, very helpful. Yeah, I mean, very helpful. Um, and you took note of something while we were talking to him about the MacBook. Why don't you go ahead and explain that? Well, yeah. When we were in the store, um, obviously just doing as one does, you wait for a genius to approach you. And when they do, then you ask them questions. Uh, so this young man walked up to us. And we again, we, him, we, we can't remember his name. Yeah, um, yeah I feel so bad. But if you're listening, I mean, he did subscribe. Yeah, he is a subscriber awesome. of ours. So if you're uh, listening, hit us up on Instagram and tell us your it, name. <laughs> yeah, let, let us know who you are because uh, we did enjoy your story yeah. quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, go ahead, continue on. So, um, so yeah, he came over. He helped us out with uh, with explaining some of the specs and all the info on the new uh, MacBook Pro. And mm-hmm. then he he actually told us that he has uh, an uh, a last gen MacBook Pro as well. Uh, and he actually bought it around the same time as us. And I used that, um, you know, that little link as an opportunity to bring up the fact that he had one of my favorite Hamiltons on his wrist. He was wearing a Hamilton khaki. I don't know which uh, model khaki it was, but it was it was very distinguishable as a khaki. The, you know, the face and the and the shape of the case are, are very, uh, I guess, you know what they are when you see them. Mm-hmm. So. And just said, oh, uh, you know, you, you have a MacBook like us. You wear watches that we like. And we chuckled about that for a bit. So uh, I think it was a military khaki. I think just, so. Just came to me right the now. Colors, the colors would suggest that. Yeah. It was like a matte silver case. I think it was the khaki field. The, That's what it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it turns out he actually has an SKX as well. So, you know, like me, he's a, he's a, a, an informed consumer mm-hmm. who specializes in the value you proposition. Say, you said informed. Informed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Would you making sure? Would you think I said? You said uninformed. No. And he is a he is definitely an informed consumer. If you have both a Hamilton khaki and an SKX, you 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 have a budget, but you also have knowledge. Yeah. And that's no, what I sure. that's what I appreciate. Um. And so obviously his watch game was was on par. His computer knowledge yep. was on par. Um. He then asked us what we were going to be using this MacBook for. Yeah, because we were talking about the, because um, the, of course, the new MacBooks only have USB-C connections. Yeah. Um, and I said, well, I'd like a couple of, um, of the converters from USB female to USB-C male. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, oh, why? What are you connecting? When I, we told him we have a podcast. And he's like, oh, well, that's cool. And what do you guys talk about? And then that's when we told him we talk about cars and watches. Yeah, I mean. Well, of course, we talked a little bit about watches with him. So we yeah, kinda, so he he yeah. understood that. But immediately upon upon hearing the car part of it, he uh, he was very excited to show us his summer car. And I have to say, I was astonished. Well, no, because he what did he say? He said, um, uh, "Here's a, here's another thing that can tap into your interest." Yeah. And then he said, "I'm about to show you the coolest grandmother of all time." Yeah. Which I mean, when someone starts off a story like that, you have no idea where it's going to go. Yeah. But the, his story, and and I hope he's okay with us telling uh, this story because we found it I very mean, this interesting. This unnamed Apple Store. Employee. Yeah, employee. 
um, his his grandmother had purchased. Yeah, she was the said, original I think owner. He said new, yeah, brand new, new in, in 1991, 1991, an Acura NSX with a six-speed manual. Yeah, how cool is that? His it's grandmother amazing. purchased a an affordable supercar, sports car. I shouldn't say supercar, uh, with a with a manual gearbox, and she owned it. Single owner, she owned it mm-hmm. um, up until she took it off the road during that time. Uh, apparently his uncle had painted the car for her. Mm-hmm. Sure. Her favorite car, her favorite color story was yellow. Right. So it, it's a very distinct yellow. Actually, he like did a mention lime. his uncle did Le Mans racing. Yeah. yeah. Which is also kind of cool. It, like a really, uh, there's a lot of culture, a yeah. very, a very rich car culture in, in his family, I guess. Yeah. Um, so there, there he has this, this yellow 91 NSX with a manual transmission. I actually think in 91, they might've only offered it with a manual, but um, I would imagine, yeah. Yeah, the automatics came in the later years, I think. But anyway, uh, I, and it, of course, this yellow being a non-original color, it's still, we, we both agreed with him that the yellow is one of the things that make the car so cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, it's not stock, but it it's, yeah. it helps with the story. That's his grandmother's right, favorite exactly. color. And, and he mentioned, you know, it used to be black. That was the original mm-hmm. color. And he kind of sometimes wishes it was black and he was contemplating wrapping it yeah. to, a, to a grayish color. But... I think the yellow kind of makes it more unique and yeah. personal. The black, the black would increase its resale value of had course. it been left black. However, what means more, resale value or the fact that you're driving your grandmother's car? And that'll always be something. It, you it's know. a, it's an incredible story. Yeah, no, we we were uh, my my jaw dropped. Like, what are the chances? This guy has a watch I, I like, drives a car that I fantasize yeah. about. Like, just it's very cool. Really, really uh, enjoyable conversation. And again, I'm sorry we don't remember your name, but shout out to you. Uh, you you uh, did a fantastic job, and I hope that the Apple stores run on commission. I hope you got some of that money yeah. that uh, that Mikey so frivolously dropped. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, no, I needed it. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I appreciate I appreciate the fact that you. you I wasn't gonna use my PC computer. <laughs> Smart man, smart man. No, um, I have nothing against PCs. I own do both I. Mac, PC. Mm-hmm. I own both Android and iPhone. Yeah, I like them all. Yeah, you just uh, you're you're a man of all nations, is what yeah. you are. Yeah, you're. I'm I'm the Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know where that's going. Um, no, but yeah. If uh, and again, if you're listening. Hit us up on Instagram. Yeah. I'd love we to see hear. the car. We, yeah, we would love to to meet up. And I'm sorry if this sounds creepy. No, but, but like, in the like Sunday morning the road, for, a, for a morning coffee and yeah, that and would drive, be cool. that'd be awesome. That would be very, very cool. Anyway, uh, I think, yeah, that, I think we have our, to move on. That's our Apple Store Chronicles. Yes, yes. It was a very interesting story, so I'm happy that we could share it with you guys. But Yeah, uh, moving on to, um, I guess, our... Considering it's the new year, mm-hmm. um, we can kind of go on and talk about our 2017 year in review, yeah. both in the automotive world and the watch world. Mm-hmm. And of course, we'll start with cars, cars. As, we, as we usually, yeah, do. As we usually yeah. do. And and again, we'll we'll, um, we'll talk about what our goals are for mm-hmm. 2018 in both topics. Yeah, yeah, we could definitely do that. Um, do you want to go you, first? Oh. Uh, doesn't matter. I'll start. I'll start. I mean, my my automotive year wasn't that exciting. I think it was very exciting. It was more exciting than mine. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, a little bit of that cough just lingering around. Yeah. Um, you want me to start? You can start. Go ahead, Mike. So, what happened with me in 2017 with cars? I don't know. Uh, uh, I I can remember one very distinct thing. What's that? You made your car okay, louder. Okay. Well. Um. <laughs> oh yeah. Of course. But um. 
if you guys haven't picked up from our jibber jabber in the past on this podcast uh jibber jabber yeah I, I, I daily drive an f-150 platinum uh to work and in the winter um and i have a 2016 audi s5 that's I guess in 2017 became my summer vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's seen one winter. Yeah, I drove. I, I I picked it up in 2016, um, and I drove it for the year to and from work and throughout the winter, and it was my daily and only vehicle. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to be able to obtain my dad's old F-150 Platinum uh, to drive to work and in the winter. So for now, the S5 is in the garage. It's put to rest and pulling lots of kilometers on the truck, but. Um, yeah, in 2017, I was able to modify the S5 just a little bit, make it, make it a little bit more exciting. Yeah, um, it's just lowered wheels are spaced, stock wheels. Uh, put the Pilot Super Sports. I was gonna say you upgraded the tires, upgraded the rubber, um, which actually is kind of disappointing because I put them on at the time when I was still dailying the car, mm-hmm. and I put quite a few kilometers on it. What were the like original it, tires that came with it? Pirellis, no? I think they were Pirellis. Yeah. Which, in my experience with Pirellis, because I, I used to drive a 2013 F-150 FX4, mm-hmm. and those came with Pirelli Scorpions. Scorpions, though, they're and the like, bastard <sighs> child of the Pirelli line. I know. You, you That's know, my thing with Pirelli. If, if you're getting cheaper Pirellis, it doesn't make sense. Unless yeah. you're getting, like, the top-end Pirellis that you're putting on, like, your super car, your sports car, mm-hmm. they don't really make sense. Yeah. I didn't really get much out of them, especially on the truck. They were just terrible. Yeah. Um, I think I think the name pushes them more than the actual that, Well, that's what it is. Well. When when you get into a low-end Pirelli, you're paying for the name. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I put the uh, Michelin Pilot Super Sports. Thanks mm-hmm. to Anthony for getting them for me. Shout out. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, I put a lot of kilometers on them when I was dailying them. In one year on that car, I put, I think... 57,000 kilometers. You put an, an odd amount of kilometers. Like, you, you do do a lot of kilometers. And thankfully, now I can let it rest and not yeah. daily it and not drive it in the winter. But it, it was beautiful in the winter. Oh, yeah. Amazing experience. Um, obviously, it's a Quattro. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun to drive. But now that it's lowered and spaced and kind of made it useless in the winter. Well, I wouldn't say yeah. useless. It would just be a little bit of a slow Changes plow. the dynamics, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's lowered, it's spaced and it got a full exhaust, AWE track exhaust, mm-hmm. um, a little bit louder. I would say, I think it, on the, it sounds, it sounds a lot better on the outside than it does on the inside. The reason why I say that is because driving with you, yep. it can drone sometimes. Of course. Again, uh, it's, it's not a manual transmission. Yeah. It's the S-Tronic. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it definitely does drone. But when you're listening to it from the outside, you don't hear the drone. Yeah. Because it, obviously it's not being reverberated through, right, through yeah. the outside. Um, but what you do hear is a fantastic engine note. And I, or exhaust note, I should say. Yeah. I, 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 I'll never forget the day that you got it and I first heard you ripping around in it. Oh, my God. If, I mean, because I had, I had known that car for, you know, a year. year yeah. And to hear it opened up that way. It made it all made sense. It, yeah. it sounded really, no, really it, good. It sound, I, well. I mean, I'm uh, I'm a subjective uh, opinion on it, but mm-hmm. um, or bias opinion. Sorry, um, but I think at, at like a high RPM when you're really giving it and shifting it like hard, mm-hmm. it it does sound really good. It does. It sounds very race inspired. Yeah. I, I like it. Um, and that's it. That I that's what happened with my cars this last year. Yeah. Uh, basically. 
I'm very happy that I don't have to drive it all the time. Yes. Yeah. It made, it more so more just special. for the reason that my drive to work is quite long. It's about 45 minutes each way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all highway and transport trucks in front of it are not good. I re- in the year that I owned it, um, well, I've owned it for about a year and a half now, but in the first year I replaced the windshield twice. I remember that. That was devastating. Uh, first time I replaced it OEM and the guys at Audi instructed me or had tried to get me not to go OEM. Yeah. Um, Same thing I do for even Honda. And I said, well, it's, it's the one windshield. And, and at that, at that time I had only had the car for two months mm-hmm. and I had to replace the windshield already because of the crack. Um, and I said, you know what? It's one time I'll pay the premium for OEM. It's not, I'm not going to do it again. What are the chances? And about six months later, I have to replace it again. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't go OEM. There's no point. No, there really, glass there really is glass. Yeah. I mean, it, it, for, you know, this is some consumer uh, information here. If you do have a vehicle that has a radar equipped system uh, below or behind your rear view mirror mm-hmm. or anywhere looking through your windshield, you will most likely have to go OEM. Right. But if you do not have those things equipped on your car or the radar uh, on your car is designated to a different area on the vehicle, mm-hmm. you can usually find an aftermarket supplier and it is significantly cheaper. Right. We are talking like especially hundreds with of dollars. Ve- especially yes. with German vehicles. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, even Hondas, uh, the non-radar vehicles, the the difference in a Honda glass may cost you $800 and aftermarket glass will cost you like 230 installed. Yeah. I'm saying 800 before installation. So it's it's such a large uh, difference that it really doesn't make sense, especially for something that you can drive off of the lot after having your windshield repaired and have another stone hit. Exactly. Like what sense. happened to me, basically. Yeah. I, I mean, glass. with me, I usually always go OEM with anything. Yeah. Whether it be vehicles, whether it be computers, whatever, like anything. Yeah. I always get the brand name, brand name stuff. Yeah. Um, but in this case, you really got to weigh your options. And oh, it, for sure, it's, it's not like aftermarket uh, brakes or aftermarket. Right. Yeah. Uh, anything. It's this is this is just glass is built to a certain yep. standard, and and you are totally fine yep. with aftermarket glass. So I mean, the 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 most the, the thing that I'm most happy about is. That now that it's stored away through winter and I don't have to drive it all the time, I can repair all the stone chips. Because, mm-hmm. again, driving a lot, by putting a lot of kilometers on in just a year, um, stone chips happen. Yeah, of course. Uh, windshields break. So, mm-hmm. I actually, right now, I've got a chip in my windshield. So, I was going to fill it, but then once I stopped dealing it, I figured I'm going to replace it. Hopefully for the last time. You're going to replace the windshield again? I'm going to replace oh it. Oh, my God. I've got a, it's, it's a chip right uh, by the rearview mirror. It's just annoying, and you know I know, I know if I fill it, it will be structurally sound, but I'll still be able to see it. And now that I'm not dealing it, I want to make it perfect. You know what you should do? L- wrap the whole car Sell in the clear. Car? <laughs> or if you want to go the cheap way, we can just buy cellophane in, in bulk, and we'll just wrap your whole car in cellophane. No, I, I had the idea of actually wrapping it a different color. I even meant like wrap the windshield oh. in transparent wrap. No. <laughs> No, uh, I, want, I, want, I want to take care of that, yeah. that crack. No, it, it, sure. It's a little bit annoying, and now that I'm not going to be dealing it... Um, Is it in your line of sight? Uh, a little bit to the right. Okay, so you not still, directly, it's not like it's but not... But I know it's there. I see it, yeah. and I don't like it. You know how I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm going to get. I'm gonna take care of all the stone chips and maybe wrap it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I'll so is it's that kind one of, of it's, your It's kind goals? of a corny thing. No. One of my goals okay. is making it faster than our friend's M3. That's my main goal. Oof. You got a, you're at a pretty significant weight disadvantage there. I know. 
but and also powered as a it's, dash. A, it's an e92 m3 yeah um it's i mean it's 0.1 it, second faster to zero to 60 well i would i would say i mean trying to beat an m3 for 0.1 seconds uh, is it gonna make your car feel that much better i wouldn't do it, it will make me feel that much better knowing i'm the fastest in our friend group okay <laughs> well and that's all that matters no um i was thinking of just upgrading the supercharger pulley and uh mm-hmm. tuning the ecu so like the common stuff that because it really yeah, you can't really well, by no means that car I am not going like full bananas on this car yeah I just want to make it now that I, again now that I don't have to daily it mm-hmm. I kind of just want to make it that little bit much faster yeah but yeah. I, I don't know it, it it's really not that important to me either I'm I'm weighing my options there yeah because now that again now that I'm not dailying it it won't be as I won't be as used to the car it'll it'll impress you right. a lot easier. When you right. get so back when I get it, back yeah. into it come April, May, yeah, I'll be that much more, it'll be that much more fun to drive. Exactly. Oh, so yeah. I, I got to really wait till then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I got everything done at FAF Tuning, if that makes a difference. Yeah, shout out to FAF. They're, they got I mean, cool... I've had a really good experience there. It, yeah. I mean, I think you do pay a premium going mm-hmm. to them. Um, but my comfort level with them is good. That's where I bought my vehicle. Yeah. Uh, I've gotten to know some of the guys there, so... Comfort level there is is definitely yeah. I mean, if you are in the market to get your car modified by a shop, you don't want to do it yourself. Yeah, I've been burned before by shops. Uh, We won't name names, but we won't. Yeah, we won't call out the negative. But um, it's definitely important that you either get to know the people that are working Mm -hmm. on your car, or you trust them. You know, if you have a friend that's done it, it's very it's very important. Don't just give your keys to someone. Uh, based off of uh, based off of an Instagram account, that right. is it's yeah. never a good idea. Especially nowadays, my gosh, everyone's marketing themselves on Instagram oh. makes them look so great. Yeah. And, and then uh, you show up, and it's a it's a guy and his uncle just hacking away. Yeah. But anyway, uh, um, we'll move on from that. Yeah, but no, I got everything done at Faf Tuning there in Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Um, and if any of you listening want to do anything, I mean, I'd highly recommend going there. Mm-hmm. Again, you do pay a premium, but. I've had nothing but good experiences. Um, even with their, I actually, my car got hit last year as well. There's been a, a lot happened. The S5 has been through a lot. In, in, in its very short life. It, yeah. it got hit. Um, actually, a family friend was backing out of their driveway and uh, just backed right into it. Not a friend anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm kidding. No, I, they're yeah. still friends. Yeah, but um, it ended up being all covered by insurance, mm-hmm. thankfully. Um, it ended up being about $22,000 in damage. Yeah, oh, um, God. that that's that's literally what um, the salesman at Audi said Jeez. when I told him that. And what about the time frame? The, the, well, the money's one thing, whatever you have, because it is an Audi and it does have to be put back to a certain specification. The, um, the, you're talking about like the time, how long it took them yeah. to do it. So I got it done at FAF Auto Works. Um, again, through the FAF group, I again, I went to them because I have a comfort level with them. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience there was... For the most part, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just miscommunication, and um, I was kind of getting left up in the air a couple times. Which, again, working at a dealer and seeing a lot of, uh, I work with with a couple of yeah. with a few different body shops. Uh, that's very common, of course. And yeah. and I, I'm not trying to bash them in any in any way. Mm-hmm. If someone asked me for a recommendation for a good shop, they did excellent work. Yeah, I think the work that they did was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's just the person there that i was dealing with it it, it came, goes down straight to that like the one person yeah um that i had a, a not so good experience with um 
but no, the the quality of work is amazing. The the vehicles that they work on in there are incredible vehicles. They do very good work. Yeah. Um, but the time frame, that was mostly due to the lifts that they use. The, mm-hmm. Remember, I was telling you those. Um, I think they're called Silette. Yeah. And it's a special lift that in order for them to be an Audi qualified or Audi Audi certified um, repair shop, they have to use this certain select lift. Um, it's like a mounting bracket that hits like something like 30 points of the of the vehicle and it can measure if the frame's been bent and it can measure where it's been bent and by how much. And I don't know, it's some special lift. Yeah. They tried explaining it to me, but I don't got no brains. Um, <laughs> no, but... Um, that's the main reason why is because they can only the company select can only give um, a certain amount of jigs for those lifts to each shop at, at, at a certain time. I see. So they basically they own the lift, but they rent the jigs and mm-hmm. each car has its own set of jigs. So if, if let's say uh, Auto, FAF Auto Works has 10 jigs and you can only have a maximum of 10 jigs. Well, you got to wait for those other cars to be finished until they can send you new ones. I see. Um, and that's, I think, where the time frame came. That's where it got kind of and, delayed. Uh, I, think, know, I think it was gone for four months. That's what I remember. I remember it being a while. It was a while, yeah. And you, you they, they had you in a decent rental. It was a... Yeah, it was a brand new A4. Brand new A4, yeah. Which is awesome. Cool. All covered by insurance as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the whole experience was good. Mm-hmm. It was just like I said, it was a one person, but... Yeah, I, I'm not going to hold that to them. I think at the time I was more salty than I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone were to recommend again, like the 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 paintwork that they did, it's like it's seamless. You can't yeah. you cannot tell at all. Yeah, really good job. I'm I'm very satisfied. Got to see a couple cool cars while I was in there yeah, as well. They were true. restoring some old Porsches in there, and that's my love. So the, would would it be realistic to say not for 2018, but your few you in, in 2017 you created the goal of maybe one day owning owning a, a i think you've always you always like porsche like i like me yeah but i i've also always liked vintage porsche would you say that vintage porsche is now it's a newer thing for you is what do you mean by newer like, like is, 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 are you saying is like obtaining a vintage porsche is yes. a goal to me yes i think so yeah yeah and, and not in the near future obviously because i'm young and got no brains got no money but uh <laughs> I don't know where that's coming from, but um, no, it, definitely a hundred percent an automotive goal for myself, but not anytime soon. Like yeah. it, it's a little bit unrealistic. There, there, honestly, uh, this unless is I the, sold my S five and, and took like and got like traded it straight up for an old Porsche. Yeah, this would be the worst time to buy an old Porsche because the values have just skyrocketed. Yeah, even yeah. looking again, bringing up FAF, they, uh, they have FAF Reserve where they um, sell old vehicles and like uh, reserve vehicles mm-hmm. like special vehicles um and they've got a quite a few old porsches there and they're like ninety thousand, hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. they're in vogue right now thousand. 10 years ago you could have found these on kijiji for like forty thousand dollars max oh forty thousand dollars meaning like a uh, like a good condition one one yeah. that's already been restored yeah. it would yeah. just have been an old porsche but yeah. now they're like cultural icons right and all the ones that faf has they're like they're um rare finds and mm-hmm. special editions and whatnot and i mean that's their bread and butter they kind of yeah i i mean i look at faf as like a very in quotes cool brand um they, they have, they have a lot of very cool good stuff job. um yeah. I, I mean this is free advertisement for faf anyone in the area go to faf so i i i just love them yeah no, i've I, had nothing think, but good experiences i think i think the them. listeners can tell that you have a bit of a hard-on for faf yeah um, um i mean if you're 
looking to throw me like an advertising deal, like give me a car, yeah, yeah. give give an RS seven, um, whatever. I they they they're hearing you, Mikey. They know. They know. <laughs> no, I'm hoping to go. Um, actually, yeah, getting back to the salesman when I told him how much the damage was on my S five. Just before that, he was telling me that he's gonna give me a call when they get the RS fives in. Okay. Uh, so I can go drive one. And obviously, he's trying to sell me on one, which mm-hmm. he's gonna have no luck there. Um, but I said, I said, he said, well, he said, um, you could trade in your S five, and I said, oh, well, I don't know about that. And he said, why? And I said, well, uh, about three months ago. Put twenty two thousand dollars into it, and he's like, "Oh, what'd you do?" And I go, well, it was all damage, and he's just like, "Shit, you shouldn't have told him. You're out of luck. You shouldn't have told him." So yeah, I don't think the S five is going anywhere anytime yeah. soon, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Well, no, fortunately and unfortunately, no, unfortunately it, because like I mean, a it's new a bona fide cool, but yeah, it's a bona fide sports car. I think we, we I'm can, very happy with yeah. it. Uh, I've had lots of fun with it, and I mm-hmm. hope to continue to have lots of fun with it. Yeah, especially now that I don't have to drive it all the time. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's what happened to me in 2017. Mm-hmm. How about you? And on my end, um, or should we jump right into goals and then go on to you? Let's do goals. Let's do okay. your goals first. So I mean, on I would you call it like indirect or like a, a long term goal for me? Not for 2018, but a long term goal for me is yes, a Porsche, mm-hmm. an older Porsche, um, a Singer. No, <laughs> that that I'll have. Jeez. Happen. Maybe um, if the podcast takes off I mean, one day, hey, Mikey, we FAF could do it. FAF is now an authorized. Uh, yeah. I think. What? Well, no, I, I don't know how that works. Let's see. They if can this... commission singer. So I mean, if, yeah. if you're listening, FAF, and you want to do something with me, I'm down. Um, no, uh, an older Porsche would be my indirect long-term goal. Um, mm-hmm. My goal for 2018 um, is what kind of what we talked about before. Is now that the S5 can rest, I want to just get it back up to its showroom quality. Yeah. Um, and just taking care of it more now that I can. Yeah. Not that I didn't take care of it before. It's just hard when you're dealing the car. Yeah. Um, I want to, uh, maybe the right word is baby it. Now, are you going to drive it every day in the summer? No. Really? I still have my truck that I, I work in construction. So yeah. I don't know if you're still driving the truck to work. Um, no, huh. I don't plan on even if like, well, I mean, we'll see how it goes. But like, if it's raining out, why drive it? Cause it's all wheel drive. Yeah, but I don't. If I don't need to, I guess I. I definitely a hundred percent. I, I see you where know you're what I mean. From. I see where you're coming. But from. again, we'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll get the itch to drive it sometimes. Yeah, it's it, it's not set in stone. Yeah. Um. But yeah, ba- babying it is a goal. If if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'd like to take advantage more of photography with cars this summer, mm-hmm. and filming cars this summer. I guess that could be a time lapse 2018 goal. That I'm definitely down to to jump in that with you because we we did a little bit of it last summer. Yeah. Um. But I like to do more. More. Yeah. We got we got cool equipment for it. We got drones. We got cameras. We got GoPros. So yeah, we could definitely put something together. And uh, and you guys will definitely get be the first recipients. Yeah, we're hoping to get that. on YouTube mm-hmm. sometime soon. Oh, I I already have a YouTube channel. That kind of ties in with my 2017. Yeah. Why interview. don't you go ahead and tell us? Okay, yeah. So 2017 was a weird year for me, and anyone uh, who's listening who knows me personally is probably fed up of hearing of my escapades. Um, I mean, I know you personally, and I'm not tired of it. Okay. Well, I'm directly talking about the people I work with because they hear it like every day. Oh, but, every uh, day, all day. I mean, since I was 18, I've had a motorcycle license. and um, Was it when you were 18? Yeah, I was 18. Cool. Because I didn't have a car. And my parents uh, told me that they wouldn't insure me under my own car. So I was dead set 
to get a bike because I thought I can just afford strictly a bike. because just because I couldn't get a car. Insurance like, is more you know, affordable. <laughs> uh, that that I didn't even think about. Um, but anyway, so 18, I got my motorcycle license here in Canada. It's called an M2. When you do the course and you're you know good to ride on your own without any restrictions. So I ended up getting that. But of course, being 18, unless you're mad, uh, you ca- you can't own a bike under your own insurance. Yeah. Um, I, I did go around test driving many, many bikes. Really? Uh, yeah. I think I test drove about four bikes. No, not many, I didn't many. Even know that. I, I would go leave the guy, my keys as collateral to my Acura CSX. Those were the days. Uh, and I would I just take the bike this. around the block. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Did a CB or sorry, a CBR one twenty five was the first one, then a two Ducati or not Ducati, I wish, two Ninja three hundred R's, small, both with ABS, small little bikes. I was never planning on getting anything bigger than a three hundred. Um, for for all of you that don't know, I grew up riding dirt bikes. Yes, yes, so, so envious am I. So when when Anthony says something like a CB one twenty five. Well, you know what? Me chuckle. CBR one twenty five. CBR, yes. And these were the R versions of each. But anyway, um, so what? what, The reason why I'm bringing this up is because about a over just over a year ago, uh, toward the end of 2016, I decided to put my Honda Accord, uh, which I'm sure you guys know, I drive a a 2015 V6 Accord Coupe with a manual transmission, Mm -hmm. what I consider to be the sportiest Honda before the Type R came out. I decided to put it fully back to stock. What that meant was I removed the coilovers. Well, okay. I don't think we've ever explained that you once upon a time. Oh, no, I think we did. I think we, we did. I don't know how episode, thorough yeah. we went in. No, but we, we just touched on that. Yeah. You did mod your... It was it was as much as you can do to an Accord before you start getting into like engine internals and and like yeah. proper upgrades. You, all, you, you maxed out the bolt-on yeah. capacity. Yeah, exactly. And one thing I learned is that bolt-ons are never bolt-ons. They no, are, yeah. It's always finicky. So... Uh, on this car, I had it lowered on coilovers with a camber kit to correct the rear suspension and the sag and everything. I had a big brake kit on the front. It was an Acura RL sourced big brake kit mm-hmm. that bolted up to the, the stock strut. I had uh, uh, obviously short ram intake, first thing everyone does. I had a full exhaust. So my car doesn't have conventional headers. So it had just uh, like outlet tubes, single tubes. Mm-hmm. So basically right off of the, the engine, I had an exhaust. For those of you who don't know, Every pipe on my car was replaced with something that was wider and less restrictive. So right. my car, for some time, sounded like it sounded not right, like it sounded too loud. And then I put some resonators to make it sound better. But anyway, the whole the whole point of it was to make it more acute. Mm-hmm. I wanted the car to feel more um, aggressive, and I wanted it to drive quicker. So well, I think that's anyone's goal yeah. from for modding. Oh yeah, other than your typical loser kid that just wants a giant tailpipe like that is that is a good portion of the again sorry sorry for the ears well and and but i mean that's what it does uh, unfortunately that is i okay not unfortunately that's where a lot of people start out when you think about it i guess so my first modification the area we live in yeah but has a bad reputation for but how many distasteful how many how many kids who get their first car know what proper modification? You have to do the the easy stuff so that you can really delve into it. I guess anyway, not everyone's like me and Anthony. Well, I was that kid one day once too, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, uh, I, I had I, I had uh, testicles on the back of my Ford Ranger when I was a kid. <laughs> that's that's the least tasteful thing you can the, do to any vehicle. The chromies, the chrome testicles. Anyway, uh, back to the Accord. <laughs> so um, I had I had the full exhaust, suspension tuning, yep. upgraded brakes. I ran a, a, an engine tune. I I dynoed it, made two eighty at the wheels. 
pretty good. That was a custom. That was a custom in-house tune. Oh, shout that's out, right. Shout out, shout out to we did our friend Alex. Alex, we used his computer. It was I, I uploaded a base map and then I had it professionally tuned. Here's a here's a little hint, kids. Uh, on newer cars, use the base maps. Don't don't pay someone four hundred dollars to put a custom tune on because the base maps, unless you're running something crazy yeah. like upgraded boost or something, yeah. the the base maps that come with a lot of your um, your flash tuners are sufficient. Mm-hmm. They are sufficient. Unless you start getting into crazy stuff and you start messing with engine internals and right. and if you're running boost, you run more boost, then you might want right. to consult that point someone. Sh- at that point, you shouldn't be doing it yourself. Exactly. At that point, you should be consulting you Unless know, forums you're and stuff. Yeah. Um, but use the base maps first. See if you like it. And if you are going to mess around with, with exhaust past just a cat back, a tune is definitely optimal. You're, you're going right. to get the most bang for your buck if you're running a tune. Anyway, yep. so once I had put, uh, you know, I, I would say about... Ten to twelve thousand dollars in modifications into the Accord. I realized the Accord is not the best platform for it, and that was toward the end of 2016. So I said, you know what, this car is paid off. It is it is a fantastic vehicle as it's as it sat stock. It was fantastic. Right. I'm going to sell everything while I can before it gets all destroyed and dirt and mucked up in the winter, and I'm going to drive this as a stock vehicle. And I will put my aspirations towards something else. So after a very long uh, period of, of selling, and I had a lot of friends in the Accord forums, I was an admin for the uh, Ninth Gen Accord Facebook page for Canada. So I had a lot of people that I knew. Yep. And I tried to not just sell them the parts, but impart all the knowledge I had learned over the past two years of modifying right. to try and help them with their own builds. Because it is a very, I think it's a very special thing. Mm-hmm. So once that was done, uh, the car was back, was put back to stock, except for the LED bulbs. I left that, but basically the LED bulbs and the rear spoiler, rear uh, deck lid spoiler that I put on, I left that because I think it just completes the look right, back a yeah. little bit more. I left that. The car runs like a gem. I love it. I still have a blast. You've seen me yep. driving it, uh, you know, through uh, some of the nice roads here uh, outside of Toronto. I, I still, it is. My love for that car goes beyond even what I. I I'm pretty good with words, but that. That car is a beautiful thing. Why Honda built it, I have no idea. No one buys it, but I'm happy they did. Um, and what I did in 2017, finally back to 2017, a year in review. Well, you completed your parting out in 2017. Exactly. All the parts were sold, and I was looking for another project. So I decided, you know what, I have the funds available now. Why not get a motorcycle? But, of course, I'm never the person to – because I also don't come from a family that that appreciates motorcycles the way I do. Mm-hmm. So I never want to be that guy who, um, you know, uh, pulls a bike into his uh, into his parents' garage and says, "Hey, mom, hey, dad, sorry, I I don't care if you're gonna have a heart attack, but look what I bought, Ducati Monster." Like I'm not I'm not yeah. that kind of guy, uh, or even like a CBR 600 RR 2007, only mm-hmm. 58,000 kilometers on. I'm yeah. not that kind of guy. What I what I had is the same thing I envisioned when I was 18, cafe racer, mm-hmm. brat style. Uh, a vintage Honda because most of you know I work at a Honda dealership and I have affinity for Hondas. Yep. Uh, it just so happens that some of the best um, uh, vintage rebuilds can be done with Hondas because the technology in, in those engines is fantastic and it's bulletproof for the most part. Mm-hmm. So I found a 1978 CB550. This was November of 2016. I bought it. Oh, in pieces. Yeah, I was going to say, we've got to be very specific here. When you said you found one and bought it, yeah. we literally drove to Marlin, Ontario. Merlin, that's Merlin, what it is. Yeah, Merlin, and, Ontario. And uh, picked up a couple Tupperware bins. Yeah, literally. Like, honestly. No joke, well, just a couple Tupperware and bins. And the idea was to was to go there and buy the frame. 
because uh, that's what yeah. he had listed. He had a right, powder exactly. coated frame listed with a swing arm, mm-hmm. and that was go- that was listed for a th- for seven hundred dollars, I believe. Yep. So when we got there, I saw bins that said CB five fifty on them, and I asked him, "Is this the engine and the rest of the stuff?" He's like, "Yeah, I got the whole bike here." So I said, "Well, why don't you just sell me the whole thing?" Uh, and for a few hundred dollars more, he sold me the entire everything. the entire bike, uh, basically a a poor man's Lego set yeah. or a rich man's Lego set, depending on if yeah. your glass half empty or half full yeah. type of guy. But uh, yeah, it was just literally a bunch of parts yeah. in bins. Yeah, and and I'll never forget. Uh, we I I never brought it home. It still has my parents still don't know about this um, this bike, this CB five fifty, this vintage uh, bike. But I uh, I had to get a storage unit for it, which I don't mind. I, I wanted to do it all myself. Um, so I keep it in a storage unit. But the, the day that we got it, I didn't have the unit yet. And we have a friend who has some property um, just north of Toronto. Mm-hmm. So I asked if we can keep it there. And we did. We offloaded the, the, my buddy's pickup truck at this property. And I'll never forget uh, shifting through the gears on the motor. And, and I just... That because when you buy a bike in boxes, yeah, it's not a bike. Right, it's just it's just a bunch of very confusing pieces, and yep. you have no idea how any of it works. But the one thing that I could I could understand was the shift pattern. You know, one mm-hmm. down, five up. Yeah, yeah, and that worked. I could the Kickstarter cranked, uh, so it, like the engine was moving. I I could feel it move, and that was really cool to me. Um, and through twenty, so that was in. November of 2016 by November of 2017 a year had gone by the bike was basically the the frame and everything was put together the motor is is fully rebuilt right um, a lot has been done <clears throat> you guys will see pictures of it but when you guys look at it you have to understand that it is it is my mind's creation that's why right, it means yeah. so much to me it is basically everything I've learned since the age of 18 when I first saw the the Cleveland uh, Cycle Works Misfit, which was like the budget cafe racer mm-hmm. at the time. I don't even know if they still make that thing. Ever since I saw that and I learned about the history of cafe racers and I learned about the design of cafe racers, that has been my goal. And this is the physical embodiment of that goal, right. of, that, of that passion. So that's uh, what it is right now. It, I'm hoping it should be ready by the spring, by maybe late Hopefully, spring, early yeah. summer. We're on track for that. I actually have a shipment of the... the uh, the, the Moto Gadget M unit, which is the, the new yep. fuse box, is in. That's coming in. Uh, my, uh, what else? My, I mean, my speedometer. In, in very basic terms, it, the frame is put together. Yeah. It's on wheels. It looks like a motorcycle. Yeah. If you, right were, if you right, were to look at it, it looks like a Right bike. now, it looks like a motorcycle. And let me tell you, it's beautiful. And Thank I you. cannot wait. Thank you, Michael. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to bring you with me when uh when it's ready to start up and oh, probably to hold the, the tissues because i'm gonna be I'm, i guarantee i'm gonna be tearing up when that thing fires up it's a 1978 so this year it turns 40 years old Ooh. and the last time it was registered and running was 1989 and I, mean, I believe I think you've got all the original registration papers and I everything do. well it's kind of cool anytime that you um that you uh transfer ownership mm-hmm the government of Ontario makes you uh, purchase a uh, a package. I forget the name. It's it's an abbreviation, and the package shows you all the registered owners. So when oh, I okay. when I bought my Vespa earlier this summer, um, I got that same package. Oh, very okay. cool. You see the history. You know, yeah, every yeah. time it was registered to a new owner, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so yeah, having all the history of this motorcycle and knowing that I'm the now fifth owner 
but it never left the town of Merlin, Ontario. Yeah, it was passed on from friend to friend. Farmer pretty, to farmer, as was really, what I think it, it was. was. Pretty funny. Just the the weirdest thing, and but I'm just so happy that I I brought it back to life. It was derelict. It was in pieces. Yep. And now it's gonna run its former glory. Fully Do you still have rebuilt. that guy's contact info? I uh, I have it you somewhere. You found it on Kijiji, right? Yeah, I have it somewhere. I told him I'd ride it there to show him when That'd it was done. That'd be pretty done. cool. It'd be pretty he might cool. not care, but he might. I think yeah, he was he was a hard he was like a he, hot rodder. He was a hard. He had a he had a couple bikes there that he was restoring, so he's definitely yeah. involved in that game. Yeah. Uh, so it might but, be something cool to but show. But this bike is not comfortable. I I already I never I never built it to be comfortable to be a long. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if I'm gonna make it three hours. Uh, you know away from my house yeah. where that guy lives. Uh, it's going to be more of like probably do the same duty that the Vespa does. Just like a right. nice little cruiser, cruise yeah. around maple. What lawn. more do you need? Yeah, exactly. Um, so that, w- that was a big part of 2017 for me is building this, this uh, brat style. And I guess it directly relates to a goal for 2018 is to yeah. get it done to finish it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, other than that, I also bought a uh, t- 2012 Stella uh, 4T, which for those of you who don't know, it's a Vespa. It's a Vespa. It is a an Indian Vespa. When I say Indian, you know, most people hear that. Oh, it's Indian. It's it's, it's a fake. Well, no. fake because Vespa's Italian. Yes, but Vespa. If if anyone knows anything about Vespa, mm-hmm. sh- should know that that Vespa, the company, outsourced the majority of its production in the last couple of decades to India. Yeah. To a company called LML, and and other people in um in the Eastern continent there. Eastern continent? I don't know. The east? I don't far know east? No geography. Yes, yeah, the far east. Yeah. Because um, labor is cheaper there. So this Stella, um, if you go online, you'll you'll quickly understand that people have an affinity for the 1980s models of the Vespas. They're mm-hmm. in vogue at the moment. So the Genuine Scooter Company of India saw a, a niche market and decided to buy the copyright and patents for the design of the 1980 Vespa scooters. They already had all the parts yeah, because they made them. Uh, and they decided to make a version that could be sold in Europe, the States, and then eventually Canada when the four-stroke motors uh, came out. Mm-hmm. So mine is a 2012. It has a four-stroke motor, eight horsepower, looks like a 1980s Vespa. Manual transmission. Man- oh, that's the best part. It, Four-speed cool. manual. Everything's on the handle. Yep. I wouldn't have bought that if it wasn't a manual. That's yeah. uh, it's it adds funny. To the experience. Yeah. In 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 the what do you call it? In the little marketing blurb on Stella's website, mm-hmm. they talk about what the Stella is. Or Genuine Scooter Company's website, they talk about what the Stella is. They say, "Oh, everyone's favorite scooter is back uh, with right. now a modern, clean engine and a transmission like a sports car." Like it's like <laughs> okay, I guess that's a stretch, but I guess the fact that you have a clutch and gears to shift through right, makes yeah. it a sports car. Because uh, one thing that you'll know if you are into scooters, modern day scooters don't have a man. They're not. They're not manual anymore. Um, right. There's just no market for that. Yeah, no. People don't. You know, scooters supposed to be efficient, mm-hmm. and and most people don't care to shift. But one of the joys of the Vespa is definitely shifting through the gears and downshifting and rev matching with this little eight horsepower engine. It's yep. it's not as it's not as uh, full of character as the two strokes. Um, I've never driven the two stroke, but I I've heard it and I and I can tell the the four stroke is more tame. Yeah, it's a little bit more you know vacuum cleanery, mm-hmm. but the spirit's still there. And I love that thing. I don't know how long I'll keep it. Uh, it's kind of hard to justify. The older I get, having a, a Vespa and when I'm building a vintage bike, but 
you never know. Um, hopefully it stays in my family and we keep it and it's uh, yeah. be fantastic. I, I wouldn't get rid of it. Yeah. It's just cool. Yeah. It's just a cool thing. Uh, and for the odd Sunday morning drive. Yeah, exactly. And the goals for that, uh, cause I do have goals. I bought oil and a filter. I got to do an oil change on it. It's a 2012. I don't think the pre, it only had 200 kilometers yeah. when I, or 200 miles. Sorry. When I got it, I don't think the guy ever did an oil change on it. Um, just because he barely drove it. I have to do that. I have to, I want to replace the front brake rotor. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just actually, this past week found a fantastic website uh, that has literally every part for oh, my really? specific one. Perfect. That's good. So I had to order a couple of rubber grommets that were uh, dry rotted and broken. I uh, got to replace the front rotor, maybe the front brakes, depending on how worn down they are, mm-hmm. because they might just be old. I eventually want to upgrade the tires and some cosmetic scrapes and scratches. Yeah. It's steel bodied and the paint was basically nail polish. Yep. So uh just to make it pretty. Just to, yeah, just to make it look the like part. I'm riding right out of nineteen uh seventies <laughs> Italy yeah. uh on this thing. Of course it's a nineteen eighty look, but anyway. Still vintage enough for me. Yeah, no, it's definitely yeah. I mean collectively as a group, we used to make fun of it. Yeah, and that's fine. But uh, I think that it, all in all, it, well, I mean, for me, it's really grown on me. Yeah, I really enjoy it. And well, I don't even ride it. One thing that um, I will say, the motorcycle market is so full of people measuring, you know what, and that's I think one of the most dangerous things about motorcycles. Mm-hmm. When you when you are a car enthusiast or motorcycle enthusiast, it's important that you develop your taste, your preference based on what you like, not what on impresses other people. Right. I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of people, especially in the area that we live, who become a statistic on motorcycles because they they're not they haven't grown to be true enthusiasts. They right. just they they're bored, so they buy a, a leader bike or they buy a, a very powerful six hundred, mm-hmm. never having ridden a motorcycle before. Yep. That's how you become a statistic. And in that case, it's not even the fault. You know, people always say, it's not it's not you that I don't trust. It's the people around you. Yeah, no. A lot of the times, it's the people behind the... The, the bike wants to go straight. Right. If you don't understand that, then you're going to end up going right through a guardrail on a corner if you don't understand how to ride a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you have the means, doing what Mikey did growing up with dirt bikes, that's the best way to learn. I think Learning so, Learning yeah. how to handle a bike... In you'll, bad you'll, conditions. You'll, you'll fall enough times to exactly. learn that you but can you'll get fall, seriously hurt. Yeah, and you'll fall on dirt instead right. of uh, going, you know, 20 kilometers an hour instead Which of on I mean, pavement traveling. Which, I mean, can still be bad. It can be bad, but it's given rarely my, life-threatening. My, given my knee. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I yeah. was in the hospital for years. Anthony. Don't make it. See, you're, yeah, you were, you were forced go. No, I, I Something mean, I, bit me. <laughs> I, I didn't even go to the hospital. I yeah. should have, but I didn't. No, it's, it's I just, probably just infected. The peg from the dirt bike just went in my leg. That's fine. And that, I that's, dropped, a, that's not a lie. That's a genuine. Yeah. That actually happened. Yeah. I dropped your uh, one. You have a 150 or 125? 150. I dropped your 150 one day at our buddy's property coming it's around the corner. My brother's. Sorry. Your bro- oh, I apologize, Matt. Um, but coming around a corner, I, I was gave it a little bit too much willy. And the, this was at the cottage? No, this was at your at uh, our friend's uh, property. Oh, Cape. right, 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 right. In it, the mud there. Yeah, in the mud. That, that, and that, it, that's what it's made for. It's exactly. made to fall in the mud. Exactly. I, it's, it scared the crap out of me. That's the yeah. first time I dropped a bike. Yeah. I've I've obviously, I've tipped bikes over. But when when it, when you say When you're giving bike, it around a corner and it slips out from under you, yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually. But it's uh, all learning. That's part yeah. of learning. Exactly. And that's why I think. If it, I do want to one day get a dirt bike for some, for just because I feel like I can learn a lot more on a dirt bike than I can on a cafe racer, 
um, because now when he says learn, you like you know how to ride. A I bike. know how to ride. You can but, ride a motorcycle. Yeah, at the limit. I no, I rarely but, am at the limit. So, but, but for I'm just for the for the for the viewers, mm-hmm. you, you kind of made it sound like you're now building a cafe racer and you don't know how to ride a motorcycle. Oh no, 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 no you can ride. Yeah, it's just you're talking about gaining more experience and exactly. Well, because at the end of the day, I I'm convinced that. If you're if you're gonna ride a motorcycle, you should know the the techniques to get you out of a jam, and that means you know hard right. braking. And I learned that in my M2 course, but that was also five years ago. So and that's very very generic, the the M2 course. Well, the Humber course that I took, yeah, they taught you a lot. I'm you might have learned something from them. They they honestly had a lot yeah. of really really good stuff for being at the limit. So they made us. The, the stopping techniques, the yeah. collision avoidance techniques, even I mean, the handling of the bike. That's how it should be, the, the licensing system. Of course, yeah. Unfortunately, so, it's not always like that. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, another another shout-out here. I will say if you are plan, if you're young and didn't grow up around motorcycles and you are planning on getting a motor, you do plan on getting a motorcycle, you've convinced yourself of it, check out the Humber course, uh, Humber campus, the North course, uh, or the North campus. And again, another show, I think FAF has partnered with the Humber motorcycle course. I can imagine. If, because now FAF owns a Harley uh, dealership. That's right. Yeah. And I think you can get some sort of credit if you mm-hmm. go and do your motorcycle testing through FAF and Humber, mm-hmm. you get some sort of rebate on a future motorcycle. That's Something a, like a that. That's a fantastic idea. It's yeah. going to save a lot of middle-aged men from scraping their, uh, from having to their get, behinds. yeah, on a, on a highway off ramp. Yeah. Well, both physically and monetarily. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, as far as, uh, 2017, uh, goals and everything, uh, or sorry, 2018, 2018 goals. Yeah. Finish the bike, re- fix up the Vespa. And, and I'm, I'm hoping personally to be able to record some footage of this bike and get it posted. Some I, real cool I stuff. cannot tell you how how many times I've replayed in my head the Sunday morning that I get oh, to gosh. wake up and we get to go for a drive. Yeah. You, me, our other friend with the challenger, other friend with the M. Yeah. Uh, our other friend with the pickup. I mean, maybe he can come with one. And maybe of us. he can come in one of the cars <laughs> just to, and we'll set the streets of, uh, of Toronto ablaze with the sound of our exhaust. I am excited for that. Um, it's been a while for me again. I haven't had a, I haven't had a loud vehicle since 2016. 16 when mm-hmm. I put everything back to stock and what I'm probably going to do um, because if you guys haven't noticed already we are we are starting to up our Instagram game we were at, yeah that was been, one of our goals for 2018 yeah to get on social media exactly I will definitely be posting uh, some pictures and videos some throwback Thursdays of the Accord when it was at its prime yeah and I'll also be posting uh, updates with regards to the CB550 yeah, and sure. the uh, and the Vespa yeah the build and the the clean up yeah i think that's a goal between us collectively is to get some more content on the social media yeah and you know how i am i like cool content of course and uh, hopefully we can do some more of that some cool content uh, both in video and picture agreed uh and i think that kind of wraps up our automotive goals and yeah years in review yeah automotive year in review and goals i think are both checked um should we move on to time pieces 
Yeah, you want to do a wristwatch check? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll go first. A wristwatch check for today. I've actually been wearing this all day as I ran my errands, my final day of, uh, of vacation off from work. Wearing, once again, a favorite of mine, uh, the Hodinkee System 51. Fantastic. It ticks a little bit too loud for my taste. And if you watch uh, Federico on YouTube, Federico Talks Watches, he has the same problem with his System 51. It's not really? a problem. It's just a, it's a characteristic of the watch. And he's a Panerai guy. And Panerais tend to tick Panerais. Well... The thing about the system that's a, that's 51. That's the thing I like about my Panerai is how loud it ticks. I no, this is a different level of tick. Here, get ready. Just let's have let's some radio silence for a second. I don't. I don't know, man. I think. I think my Panerai. I. I heard it. We could definitely yeah. hear it. Oh yeah. Um, but I think. I think my Panerai. Like when I'm sitting at my desk in my office. Yeah. I can hear it. Okay. And I love that. Now, just like logistically, I don't know if logistically is the word, it shouldn't make, you shouldn't be able to hear the Panerai as loud as you hear this because the Panerai is in a stainless steel case with no sapphire on the case Mm -hmm. back. This is in a plastic case with plastic, uh, like acrylic plastic. I don't know what it is. All of my other watches cannot hear it. Panerai, I can hear it and I like it. Hmm. Uh, For me. Maybe it's me listening. Yeah. Like listening for it. Yeah. But uh, no, I kind of like it. All my the only other watch I can hear tick even a little bit is uh, I would say the um, the Visodate Tissot Visodate. Yeah, uh, the Ming is pretty quiet. The um, the Hamilton is pretty quiet. The Seiko definitely. The Seiko is probably the quietest because it's it's so insulated. It's a diver. Yeah, um, not a lot of sound escapes it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, the ticking is a little bit. Uh, it's finicky at times when I'm reading and I hear. Tick, tick, it it, it yeah. can be a little bit like fuck. Put this thing in a put this thing in a cupboard. I don't want to hear it. But at the same time, I, it's the, see, if it's know, the characteristic I, of the watch, then that's I'm fine with that. I don't too. read, so ah, of course. no. But um, like when I, I don't know when I'm sitting there and I hear it ticking, it kind of just reminds me. Well, you're wearing a Panerai. That's pretty cool. In your case, yes, but because I, again, you're wearing I, a Panerai. I'm, I'm part of a cult. Yes, um, that's what we've <laughs> come to learn. But I will say, I did go into Panerai with you and. I, okay, I was never I was never a Panerai isn't hater. Fun, isn't it fun? It's fun, but they are beautiful timepieces. They're oh, elegant. Uh, you know, some people might not think that they're elegant, but in yep. the way they're elegant, uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I I put a smaller Panerai on my wrist. And w- the one thing that I've noticed about talking to the employees at Panerai, mm. they're so much more passionate. Yeah, they're probably also Paneristes. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, you're working there. No, but there. like even like going into like. Uh, well, forget it. Like Rolex or any store like that, they're all they don't even want to talk to you. But yeah, um, like going into Breitling, going into Omega, going into IWC. Uh, what who what else do we have around here? Uh, Vacheron. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever we go into there, they're almost they're there like they're there to work. Mm-hmm. And they say, "Oh, how how are you doing? Can we help you with anything?" Nope. Okay, and that's it. You don't they, you don't hear from them ever again. Yeah. And Panerai at least in my experience, maybe because I bought from them. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of like that before as well when I've even just gone in there to window shop. You go in there and they ask you, how are you doing? Good, good. How are you? Good. Um, can I help you with anything? No. Okay, well, let me know. And then about 20, 30 seconds later, when you're looking at a window, they come up and talk to you about that watch. Mm-hmm. It just, they seem more passionate about it. I don't know. Maybe, I, it's, maybe it's just their quality of employees there. While you were, while were, you, while you were describing that, I honestly started to think about what makes Panerai different than those other watches, and uh, what what I what I would kind of come to mind about Panerai. I also used to describe Porsche, very hardcore enthusiasts. Yep. 
a product that is it has a we'll call it a corporate face, but it had they they perfected a style and right. stuck with it. Yep. Maybe that's what it has something to do with. I Maybe mean, hey, you know, you see you see the back end of a nine eleven a mile away, you know it's a nine eleven. Right. You see the front end of a of a nine eleven a mile away, you know it's a nine eleven. Yep. You see a pan right on a wrist. My, I was in Ford uh, at Twin Hills today in uh, in Toronto. Yep. Saw a guy from the other end of the dealership wearing a pan right. I knew right away. Oh really? Unless it was a fake, but I got yep. closer and I saw it was real. It was a Radomir. Which one um, was it? You know, I don't know <laughs> that much, but uh, and maybe that's what it is. When you when you perfect the design for so long, people get used to it. Yep. Then you you do, you create a cult. Yeah. Porsche. Well, okay. Cult is kind of negative. I know. I'm only kidding. Um, we prefer the name Paneristi. Of course. And Porscheristis. Um, yeah. So let's move on to uh, after that wild tangent of you mm. calling me. And my Paneristi member friends, of members of cults. Well, it's and my Porscheristi friends might have some truth to it. Um, um, anyway, no, we're gonna move on to my wristwatch yeah. check, I suppose. Of course. Um, and I am wearing the Oris Pro Pilot Air Racing Edition Five. Edition Five. Now, does that mean that there's there's four previous editions to that watch? Yeah, I think every year they release a new edition. Jeez. Again, we, we me and you were talking about this earlier with Oris. Mm-hmm. Kind of the more and more. I, well, it kind of started after I bought this Oris. The mm-hmm. more and more I see and look at new Oruses, the more and more I kind of don't like them. But just because they release every yeah. watch as a special edition or limited edition. Mm-hmm. That is it, it, it. That is a way to uh, devalue the brand, I think. It, it, it's kind of disappointing to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of seems like they're just doing it to sell more. And to add that extra three points onto the price of the watch. Exactly. Um, and I don't know. Every watch they release is a limited edition, special. Ed- like, granted, Panerai, for example, all their watches are limited. Mm-hmm. So, like, even my cheapo 380 Panerai is, well, um, well cheapo meaning it's on, it's an entry level Panerai. Um, mm-hmm. That is a limited to one, it's limited to 1,000 pieces. But it's kind of different than what Oris does. They limit them and say, this is a special edition. Like this Oris Air Racing Edition. Mm-hmm. Well, great. But guess what? You have released four others before this, and there's a six. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I, I didn't buy this watch because it was a special edition. Um, I mostly bought it basically on looks. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's just kind of disappointing. I, I, I'm on the same page as you. Um, and I was actually just speaking to you earlier about this. Uh, I was looking into a pro pilot. Um, mm-hmm. because another one of my watch goals for 2018 seems to fall in through. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, get, we'll talk about we'll, that. We'll talk about bit. that in a bit, but, uh, they, they're attract Oris. I can appreciate for what Oris is. Mm-hmm. I don't like the premium that you pay. I think for the name that you're getting, right. But they do have a lot of watches with in-house movements. Uh, if you do start to, to learn more about the watch, and in, in the saying more that you'll, the, Pro Pilot that we that you were looking at and that I own. It's not yeah. an in-house movement. It, it's a Salita, but it is a modified Salita. That's one thing I, I learned. Yeah, but all, all, modified is important. Modified Edas and modified Salitas yeah. have their place, and I understand it. It's not just decorated differently. It is modified a bit. But right. um, it, the thing with Oris, like you said, ha- having so many uh, different special editions, and, and it, it's, it reminds me of what uh, Chrysler does with the Jeep. 
what is the point? Are you having a tough time it's, selling? They're selling points. Yeah, but are you having such a tough time selling that, that you justify this? Or yeah. is your marketing department convinced that this is the way to maximize profits? I feel like, like I said, you, you really are weakening the blend. You're adding too much milk yep. to the brew, basically, when you do mm. this. And I don't know. It, I still think like this it's pro pilot. It's a complete pilot, turn off for yeah. me. Um, yeah, this pro pilot I'm looking at is not a special edition, as far as I know. No, it's, it's not. No, just yeah, it's the basic pro pilot. Yep. But still, it commands. A, it, I think MSRP is still seventeen hundred dollars for a yeah. for a generic <clears throat> pilot's watch. I mean, I paid full pop for mine. Yeah. Um, which was I think mid twos, mm-hmm. which right now thinking about that kind of makes me cringe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, I was, don't think I would ever buy one new, or at least not with a with a with a large discount. Like Joma Shop, they offer. I, I did get I MSRP. did get a pretty good discount from where I bought it. Oh, you said um, full pop. Well, I, I I bought it new. I didn't buy it used. I yeah. bought it new, but they did give it a little bit of a discount. Um, but it was still over two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Now this watch MSRP or your watch? Sorry, what is it MSRP at? I think twenty. Uh, let me double check. 1900 Swiss francs. Oh, it's up there. That'll be high twos, 225. I'm going to do the conversion right now, Anthony. 2413. Oh, there we go. Um, and I think I paid 21. So it's still after, 21 after tax. Yeah. And in Canada, uh, in Ontario, our tax is 13%. Mm-hmm. So um, it would have probably been over $2,800 after mm-hmm. tax. Um, and I paid tw- about 21, I think, after tax. Yeah. Um, which is a significant savings for a new watch at a standard jeweler. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I don't know. I think it was, it was in a time where I wanted something new and I couldn't get the Panerai at the time. Yeah. Um, or I shouldn't say I couldn't get it. It's just I didn't have the balls to pursue it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what made me buy it more than anything. But okay. in saying that, a couple months before the purchase of this Oris, I did see it and I did like it. Mm-hmm. I just never bought it. That appealed to you, and and I'll be honest, the, that or those those Oris Pilot watches appeal to me too. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are specific you know little styling cues that I do really appreciate about them. Yeah. Um. So I, I may. Think I think we've talked about it before. Yeah, we definitely have. Yeah. Uh, I may end up picking up this this Pro Pilot. I may not. I again I, at, the, at the price that you're looking at. Yeah. Uh, given um provided the quality and mm-hmm. the upkeep is there i think the condition that it's in is mm-hmm. good um i wouldn't i think you could probably get him down another couple hundred bucks yeah um and i think that would be a solid steal mm-hmm. i think and it, from what i can ascertain here uh this he bought this uh, let me see does bought. he have all the original box and papers that's what he's gonna get back to me about um and this would be that would be a, that would be a deal breaker a hundred percent yeah a hundred percent if he does not have the warranty especially card, for a new watch like that yeah it's, it's exactly um but yeah anyway uh let, we'll move away from i think the the pro pilots for now yeah you want to move on to um again we're gonna do the same thing as we did with the cars yeah. our year in review with watches mm-hmm. and our goals uh yeah. Sounds like a plan. Uh, again, and we're giving you guys these year in reviews and these goals because there's not a whole lot of uh, of new info out well, there. What's the beginning of the year? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Like, just like any regular folk, these big mm-hmm. companies have holidays. Just like any regular folk, yeah. yeah. Folk. Um, but, but yeah, no, that, we're going to get back into the the, um, the, the current usual, events. The current events and yeah. uh, whatnot next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully we do stay more on track than we have. But again, the, holi- sure the holidays will. are a tough time. Exactly. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, do you want me to start? You yeah, want to start? go ahead. Well, let's let's you start again. Yeah. So my year in my year in review, 2017 was uh, I guess a big one for me and watches. Yeah, um, I've always had an interest in watches. Um, we've always conversated about them, and mm-hmm. but I've never really gone out myself and purchased anything um, until pretty well this year. Is I've that, had watches yeah. before, uh, but they were always gifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think as it all usually is with younger, when you're younger, younger people yeah. and watches. Yeah. Um, I had the the Tissot GMT, um, the Victoria Knox chronograph. I don't know the the um, the exact names of them because mm-hmm. I didn't really care for them too much. Mm-hmm. I do still wear the Victoria Knox. Um, I mean, they're both they're both very you know they're solid watches. It's just they're not. They're they, not, they occupy they were the gifts. same space. They, they, they were yeah. gifts, so they're not my specific taste. Yeah. But I mean, after putting that NATO strap on the Victoria Knox, I kind of like it for like working out in the shop or mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, but yeah, I've always had those. And then my first watch that I got in 2017 was kind of an impulse. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were at a local jeweler there in Vaughn, and um, he brought out a watch that he had on consignment, and it was the Tag Carrera Caliber Hoyer 1. Mm-hmm. Um that retails for $6,500, which is a little bit too much in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was giving it away for a substantially less amount. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm talking like less than half, probably a third. I did not know that. Yeah. No, like it was. And, and he showed me the original papers and everything. And it was his friend that had owned it. Mm-hmm. And he said he only wore it a handful of times just because he bought it on impulse, just like I did. Mm-hmm. And he never really wore it. Like I think I paid okay, maybe maybe closer to half, mm-hmm. half price. Still. Phase. Which, again, still is yeah. ridiculous it, for, for a relatively brand new watch. Mm-hmm. Um, less than half the price. I was kind of hard to say no i've always yeah. seen the watch before um but it was always in that realm of unattainable because it was an expensive watch yeah um so i kind of always disregarded it but then at that price i couldn't really say no so um we looked at it and i was there with two other two uh two others of our uh, mutual friends and uh we were looking at it and then we left we were standing outside and about three minutes later i said okay let's go back in and i went and bought it um, I didn't know. I didn't know that part of the story. Yeah, no. We were standing outside, and actually, one of our friends' bad habit—he was smoking. Um, we were just standing outside talking, and then I, I looked over at our mutual friend Eric, and I said, "Okay, let's go back in." And then we went in and bought it. Uh, and it's—I don't know if we ever explained which one it is. It's with the blue strap. The blue strap. It's got a blue. Is it a second hand? Yep. Blue second hand. Couple yeah. blue accents, and they're not skeleton. Skeletonized. Yeah, uh, skeleton dial. Skeleton dial. Um, there's not too much blue in the actual face and dial. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the strap is pure. It's all blue. Yeah, which is yeah. kind of a little bit. You gotta you gotta be careful with what you wear with it. It's kind of. it's very it's very sporty. It's one of the yeah. sportier and it stands out Carreras. a lot. Yeah, but it is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. I wear it. I'm not I'm not afraid to wear it. I wear it quite no, often. I, Given given the way it looks, I would wear it more with a casual. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's I would it's not. I would not dress. To, yeah, to dress up. Um, and I mean, I've been thinking of ordering in a black rubber strap for it, mm-hmm. um, just because it would tone down that color. Yeah. And because there is so little blue in the actual face and dials, um, it would kind of work because it does mm-hmm. come in a black version. Um, yeah. and it's got red dial, red accents with the black strap. So I don't know. I was thinking of buying the 
blackstrap for that one. Um, and then a couple months later was when I got the Oris. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. Because I had gone back to that same jeweler. And, I think and you were still reluctant to buy the Panerai. Well, of course. Because I've always wanted a Panerai. Yeah. It, even from like, years ago, from years. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, I was at the same jeweler and he had mentioned that he had an IWC big pilot coming in. Mm-hmm. And that's a watch that I hope to get one day as a big pilot. Um, and I kind of got intrigued by that. And then one of our mutual friends mentioned that I like Panerai as well. And he said, oh, I could get you in a Panerai. So he put me down and took down my information. He was going to get back to me on the Panerai. And um, skip ahead maybe three days. And I kind of got that itch to want to watch. Mm-hmm. And knowing that those two, and I still have yet to hear from him for those two, mm-hmm. um, we're not going to be in for a while. I went to a different location and ended up buying the Pro Pilot. Yeah. Yours. Um, and I think it was just a need for a new watch, but I've always kind of liked this design as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back on it now, I don't I don't regret, regret buying it at all. Um, yeah. And um, after I got the Oris, when, how long after did I buy the Panerai? Uh, the Panerai... Well, the Panerai was just before Christmas. Yeah, this was recent. Very, very recent. Uh, uh, and it was kind of a... Obviously, I wouldn't say impulse because mm-hmm. I've been leading up towards buying a Panerai for so long. But I didn't think I was going to get it the day that I got it. Because I had gone to... Um, I think we explained this before. Um, my family got my father a Breitling uh, Super Ocean Heritage 2, 46 mil, mm-hmm. uh, for Christmas. And... Of course, me being me, the the guy that knows, well, I wouldn't say a lot about watches, but in my family, the most knowledgeable, mm-hmm. um, I was sent to the boutique to go and buy the Breitling. And um, after that, I was walking around, walking around, and I dipped into Panerai, and I ended up buying the Panerai mm-hmm. <laughs> for myself. Well, you've looked at it for so long. That yeah, I've, I've looked for so long. Yeah. And um, the model that I did get, the PAM00380, um is obviously a more affordable Panerai. Mm-hmm. Um, but in saying that, I've, I, that's always kind of the one that I've looked at because it was the most attainable for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm super happy with the Panerai. I, when every time I'm wearing it, I look at it and I say, wow, I'm wearing something that I've been looking forward to for so long. No, it is it is a very elegant watch, beautiful um, watch. And the thing I like about Panerai, not so much the Radomirs, because mm-hmm. again, the 380s are Radomir, um, is you can change there's so many strap options mm-hmm. like there's so many panerai strap options leather um the calf uh suede alligator rubber nato steel like there's everything they and are again this so is where they share too. they share that that same ideal with porsche porsche is about their 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 marketing to their base they're marketing to the people they know they, they would choose panerai over an equivalent or even sometimes a better um, let's yep. say Omega or Rolex, mm-hmm. because they know that they're in love with the look, right. and so of course they're gonna they're gonna pump out strap options the same way that uh, Porsche pumps out yep. interior options, and only difference being that you're not paying so many different premiums for the sh- actually. How much was is a strap from Panerai roughly? Um, like well, I mean, uh, it came with the, the with the standard black strap, mm-hmm. uh, calfskin, um, and she actually threw in a free strap. Mm-hmm. So, and that strap went for $310. That's a lot for a strap. Yeah. 
yeah, but you go like the the rubber straps for my tag, mm-hmm. my Hoyer one, over two hundred dollars. I know and that's again, without I know that's, that with, you that's like, without the the, yeah. the buckle. I I prefer sourcing straps from outside. Sure, aftermarket straps will always be a more affordable option. But there's also see like huge like the quality and aftermarket straps is from the right yes. people are can be fantastic. Right. But that's not to say that the quality from Panerai. I agree. I agree. But yes, of course you pay a premium. Yeah. But that's that's from any any um watch yeah, manufacturer. That's the true. Brightling, the um what do they call it? The um the diver uh bracelet. I think you told the me. The diver about this. bracelet. I think it's called Ocean something. It's like chainmail. Yeah, it looks, it like. looks like chainmail. It's, yeah. it's the it's the classic uh heritage diving bracelet. Mm-hmm. I think it was like eleven hundred dollars. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. The 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 leather strap for the for the Breitling, um, not even uh, alligator or crocodile, I forget whichever one it is. Um, it was calfskin, mm-hmm. uh, four hundred and ten dollars, I think it was, and the butterfly clasp was like five fifty. That doesn't. That some watches don't even cost. Some proper watches right. don't even. Cost it doesn't matter where you go if you yeah. go to those when you get into those premium watch manufacturers you're going to pay a premium for I, their I agree. accessories I agree. yeah um but in saying that there's a lot of aftermarket options for panerai watches as well yeah mm-hmm. um this is one thing that like, my watch if you put it on the black strap or you put it on the suede strap it makes it look completely different mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I like what i like about it yeah um and i guess that's my year in review for the watches um, and goals for 2018 and my goals one of them, I think we've talked about this, me and you personally, um, is just a good watch winder, which I don't have. Yeah. Um, obviously, a premium brand being Wolf, for the winders, they look amazing. They uh, run a, a over a thousand, some of them. Depending which one you get. Like if you get the 1834s, which are like those vault ones, mm-hmm. like I mean, you get a 32 watch winder vault, that'll be like 24 grand. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I'd be looking at like a standard like, I think I would want one that holds four mm-hmm. um, with some accessory drawers or like watch drawers in it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another thing that I want to get for this year is some good tools Yeah, uh, for watches. Me too. The tool I bought, not very good. Yeah. I'll, I think I'm probably going to get one of the kits off of Amazon that has a bunch of different tools in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just helps. It just makes life a lot easier. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, watch winder and some tools. Those are my goals. And... Something that might throw you for a loop that you might not like. I've been looking at the Squalace recently. Oh, God, don't do it. Okay, I shouldn't just, say that. They're just very, I don't know. They're attractive. Something about them. They're pretty. They're like pretty. The Squalomatic 600. I have to search that up because I'm only, I'm only familiar with their diver. It's a diver. It's a 60 Atmos diver. Let me check this. Mad. The 44 mil. 600? I don't know. Yeah. 600 meters. Okay, so this this is not the same one that I was looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, this one looks a bit beefier. Yeah, it's a forty-four mil. The reason why I couldn't justify the the Squally at the time that I was looking mm-hmm. at, and of course, if you guys um, do listen to us, it's it's likely that you get a lot of your information from from uh, online sources, and likely that you've heard of the Urban Gentry and TGV. TGV is a huge, um, again, he's the host of the Urban Gentry. He's a huge Squale supporter. He actually commissioned his own watch yep. um, through Squale. He he picked the different dial and different bezel and everything. 
uh, and after watching his video and and how brilliant the that blue was on the polished case with yep. the leather the the tan leather strap, I was convinced I was going to buy a Squally. But the one thing that I couldn't bring myself around to was the price, especially considering there's quite a bit of uh, of information out there going against Squally as a brand. Squally is a recently reignited brand, as I'm sure right. you know. In 2009, and I think. Yeah, there are a lot of people calling them out for using subpar components, mm-hmm. saying Swiss made, but not actually having the majority of their components made by Swiss. You get that with a lot of brands. You do get that with a lot, but you also are not expected to pay over $1,000 for those brands. Right. Right? Like, you're not buying an Oris here or a Hamilton or a, a, a Tissot. You're buying a Squally. A lot of people compare the uh, Squally Matic 600 to like a Tudor uh, Black Bay I, Heritage or to a, like they, I've, I've seen people compare them to Speedmasters, which I don't get. Speedmaster uh, kind of weird. I mean, um, Seamaster. Okay. Um, which, which I don't get one bit, but I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think all, for me, all this watch had going for it, two things maybe. It was Italian. Of course. And it is a, it is a very pretty watch. But there are a lot of pretty watches that don't have a story that you can get for less money, in my opinion. See, a lot of people th- say that Squally has a great story. Well, I'll tell you Squally's story. They made sure. a fantastic case. Right. And Blancpain used their case. For the 50 Fathoms. In the 1960s or 70s. Something like that, yeah. And since then, then they died. Um, there's a, a family, uh, a European family, I forget. Yep. TGV's gone through the whole thing. They, yeah. They recently ignited... Reignited. They bought the brand. Now they're yeah. I, I think it. they were always an invest uh, investors in the company. Yeah. back in the day, and now they they own it. Mm-hmm. The, the, I just think that when when I the reason why I didn't buy it is because I I felt and the same thing I feel now. I feel like it's a fad. I don't think this is a watch that's gonna it's gonna stand the test of time. I think that it's something you buy. You you it really. I mean, apart from how how I think it's a beautiful design. Mm-hmm. And I think the blue. I have yet to see another blue faced watch that is this elegantly done radimir 690 i'm not too familiar with uh Panerai. i'm not a Paneristi. um but it just for me i it was around the same time that i ended up buying the ming and the reason why i bought the ming was because i saw a story that i appreciated and and also i saw stock in the company mm-hmm. like i don't mean that in a, in a solely business sense i actually saw this is a guy he he's doing things for the right reasons. The design is proper design. Yeah. It's not just elegant and beautiful. It's purposeful. But how could this design not be purposeful if, if a company like Blanc Pen back in the day used their design? Well, they use their case. Right. The I think this this um this sunburst blue I think most of most of Squally's movements are ETA. I I no, I don't think it's an out of movement. I think the six Swiss, Maybe this Matic one is, but that is. means that you're even paying more of a premium for this one. The one that I was looking at the entry level Squally, I forget what it was called. Uh, the fifteen twenty one. May, may yeah, I think that's what it is. It was the entry level. They're and, all ETAs. I'm looking at it right now. Okay, well, it uses. It looks like they use the same movement in the okay. fifteen twenty one than they do in the Swiss Matic. Hmm. They're all twenty eight twenty fours. Looks like it. So maybe the controversy was that they it's yeah. a, an ETA. Even in the 1545, which is their 200-meter um, diver, mm-hmm. uh, it's the ETA 2824. Hmm. Well, uh, yeah, even in, in the Squally Matic 600, ETA 2824. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so maybe maybe then the the controversy was coming. I'm assuming some in some way because there was uh, rumors that they weren't using proper the the components that were used were not were not proper. Yeah, I read that components. as well. The people have suspicion that they're outsourcing their build to mm-hmm. China. Yeah, um, which I mean that's fine, but. When you're, uh, when you're, oh, there's the TG. They actually have the TGV one on the website listed for eight ninety nine. There you go. Interesting. But um, the, the only place that I've seen people suspicious of their build quality mm-hmm. has been in the comment sections of articles. Yeah. Articles that have proven or not proven, but give backup information as to the build quality of them. Okay. And then there's the odd person in the comment section saying, oh, no, this was built in China. Get your facts straight. So then maybe for me, that's that's all it took to, to make me not want to spend the money. 12, like like the Squally Maddox 600, mm-hmm. $1,290 US. That is, that, that, that is their most expensive model, is it not? I think so. And it is a lot of money, mm-hmm. especially when there's stuff out there. And again, I was going to touch on this. Um, another one I've been looking at is the Black Series Turtle mm-hmm. from Seiko, mm-hmm. um, which is probably half the price. Yeah. Oh. I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, I don't know. I'm just looking. I think right now I'm looking for a retro-inspired modern watch. Okay, and and um, and that I yeah I can definitely see the the Squale. I mean, I wouldn't even go as far as to get the the Matic 600. I like the Matic 600 solely because it has the capability of going 600 meters. Oh, okay, that's just enticing. You know, because you go diving every other weekend. Nope. But. Um, uh, like, well, their their fifteen uh, twenty one collection, yeah, it goes five hundred. So yeah, I mean, I, I would, and it's eight ninety nine. Yeah, I would put the money into this. Right, and I, the only one that I like from that series is the all black one. Really? Yeah, I like. I've always liked the blue with the polished case. When I was looking, this at is them, more of the of the tradi- like the traditional blank pen fifty fathoms case style. It's very yeah. round. Yeah, um, but I don't know. It's just it's just literally thought of this. I, I I got hooked onto the Squally idea yeah. yesterday. Oh, okay. Just ideas. Hey, um, I mean, if you uh, again, I would I will now never buy one just because I I had my time that I was interested in it. Mm-hmm. I I fell out of interest with it, so I just I I will never go back to that. It's right. just something that that's how that's the way that I work. Fair enough. Um, yeah. the only times I I'll ever go back on something that I've already you know, forgot about is something like with the young hands, Max Bill and, and uh, some like the Zin, just because I didn't, I never stopped. I never not got it. Sorry. I never, I never didn't buy it because I've lost interest in it. Mm -hmm. It's just that I didn't want to, you know, give, get, you know, relinquish my funds at the time for something like that. Right. And honestly, I still think that I would rather spend about a thousand dollars on a young hands, Max Bill before this. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not capable, I think that the story is a real story. Max Bill, the famous designer, uh, you know, he pioneered the. Uh, how am I going to forget this? What was the uh, what was the wave, the art wave that he pioneered? I don't know, Anthony. I don't know where you're going with this. Well, it's okay. We'll save Max Bill for another day. Uh, I mean, yeah, but it kind of seems like a a tangent that could be exactly lengthy. when I when I'm going to spend you know a thousand or over a thousand dollars on a watch. I, mm-hmm. I need some, I, I've learned in the, from the past that things where I'm just, you know, physically attracted to it. Yep. If there's not a story back behind it. It, it tends to, 
to wear thin on me. So that was my ideal at Squally. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm Again, sure it's it, still. It, it's a very, um, I don't know how you, it's a very um, young thought in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just came to mind yesterday and I was like, hmm. And you don't have a diver. That, and that's another thing. Yeah. So I that's, mean, well, that's the one type of watch I don't have. Yeah. So, I well, mean, I and then there's always the unrealistic goal for 2018 is to get a, another Panerai. You know, proper Panerai like, diver? Uh, Do they make divers? What? Proper? Oh. What? I'm not saying that you're. Um, no. Uh, looking at the. He doesn't even have that clasp. <laughs> I'm. Uh, listeners, if you because if you, you can't see Mikey's face, he is he is legitimately disturbed by that comment. No, it'd be um, uh, like a Pam six ninety, which is a blue dial. Okay. Or there's the Pam four twenty four, which is a California dial. <sighs> I'll act like I know what those are. Um, but anyway. they're a, the California dial is like ninety eight hundred Canadian, and the six ninety I believe is like eleven fifty. Canadian. My lord! So they're not realistic goals for this year. Mm-hmm. But this they're they're my, they're it's like my singer goal for this year. <laughs> I'm gonna get a singer this year, and I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a fifty thousand dollar Panerai this year. Nope, none of that's gonna happen. Okay, so tangent over. Uh, goal is is uh, my realistic goal is to sum it up: winder, mm-hmm. tool, mm-hmm. and retro style diver. Retro style diver. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. let's move on to you. Okay, um, so uh, it's kind of hard for me to a year in review for for my watch uh, stuff is kind of difficult for me to to uh, remember at this point. I I don't know what watch I bought first in 2017. I did come across like you, like I'd always been interested in watches. I had a I had a couple up until now, but I guess you know working full time and and you know making some some proper money with with expendable income, I was able to further my passion for watches. And I think that's what it is for most people. Yeah, there's not a lot of like uh, non-working watch enthusiasts. It's, 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 it's a hard game to get into unless exactly. you have money to spend on it. Exactly. Because there's only, only so many value proposition watches you can right. buy before you just like, I have too many watches. Exactly. Um, but this year, let me think about what is in my uh, thing. So I did restore my grandfather's Seiko. Um, I had put a battery in it previous to this year, but um, this year I ended up getting a new leather strap for it. Brown leather strap replacing the uh, antiquated um, like stretch stretch bracelet that was uh, was really defunct at this point i had the glass replaced as well um and a new a new crown put on it was missing the crown so i know i restored that this year i did i did quite a bit i modified the uh my g-shock i put a, a matte uh strap and case on my g-shock it's an mm-hmm. orange base so the the, the dial is yep. orange the buttons are orange but now it has a matte black. It's it, it turned it from, because again, when my G-Shock was purchased for me, it was, it was for my 16th birthday by my brother. He bought it sort of as a fashion accessory as the G-Shocks were seen. Yeah, at that time. At that gosh. time. But, and while it sat in my closet and I rarely ever wore it, now I see it more as a tool watch. And mm-hmm. it is, it's, it's a very good tool watch. So yep. I wanted to bring that tool watch-ness to life. So I ended up buying... The J's and K's uh, Zulu um, attachment or, or Zulu adapter. Yep. So I can put it on an orange Zulu now. And I've blacked out the case. I have a matte black case, matte black finish. It gives it more of a subtle. Um, to, yeah, you it's know. not as poppy. Exactly. So I did that and I'm very happy with the, you know, whenever I'm working on, whenever I'm working on something yep. or sh- like, let's say I'm shoveling the snow, the G-Shock is my first yep. go-to. Um, so I did that. What, what else? I polished the bracelet for my tag. 
because it was that my tag uh, aqua racer mm-hmm. I received uh, back in 2008. Uh, it's a quartz, but I love it. It was my first proper watch, like yeah. you know, watch that I I held some salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's a weird metaphor. I don't know why I used it, uh, but anyway, oh. I used it as a daily for three years, and I was working. Um, so it got scuffed up pretty bad, and I wanted to take care of it because it is a it is a cherished memento of mine. Yeah. So. I polished it all up and now it's, it's sparkles. It shines. It's gorgeous. They did a fantastic job. So I had that done to the aqua racer. Uh, what else is there? Let me see. I'm trying to think here. I replaced the strap on my jazz master. I got a vintage inspired, um, Navy blue oh, rally. So cool. Yeah. I love that strap. Like yeah, racing, really nice. racing, uh, inspired strap. Changes it, it changes the watch completely. Yeah. It made it a lot more playful. It came on a really ugly, um, the Hamilton, artificial alligator yeah, yeah yeah it was a like a calf skin but stamped to yeah. look like alligator really really hideous and it made the watch look kind of like great gatsby-ish yep which i liked at the time in 2012 when i got it but i wanted to make it more playful you grew so, out of it yeah yeah so i did that to the hamilton um the tso i had put on two different nato straps or sorry i had it on a nato strap uh, that's the viso date yeah the viso date that's right I had that on a red, white, and blue NATO strap. You guys have probably seen it. I think they call it the barbershop NATO strap. Oh, yeah. I remember that. It's popular. I saw that. Shout out to Clocky Balboa uh, on on Instagram. He's the one I got the idea from. I put that on there. It looks great. It's a beautiful summer strap. Mm -hmm. I can't wait till the warmer weather comes so I can put the Viso Day back on that. I also got another NATO for the tag. It was a Bond-inspired NATO, James Bond, yep. for the tag. I tried to make the Aqua Racer a bit more of a James Bond-inspired diver. And you got that from diver. NATO, NATO Strap Collections? Yes, I did. Located here in Canada. Fantastic customer service, in case you guys are wondering. Again, that's NATO Strap Collections. And I think we've, we've talked about them. We've we have. about them before. We have. We have. Great customer service. Great product. Yeah. My gosh. Yeah. No, I mean, really, if you're Canadian and you need a NATO Strap, there, there's no better yeah, way unless you have Amazon company. Prime. I don't know what else. Uh, but support the Canadians, the local people. Yeah. So beyond that, uh, what else? Then I, I think that's when I, I purchased the Ming, and that was a beautiful acquisition. I could talk for days about the Ming. I love it, and I love what they're coming out with now. I'm so enticed. Ooh, the 1901. Oh, so enticed to buy it. But I, that would mean parting with 10000 of my Canadian dollars. I don't know if yeah. I'm ready to do that. It's a hard. It is. It is a. It's, it's a hard, hard bargain. It would mean. It would mean me going. I would say for me to justify that, I'd have to go this whole year without buying a watch, and then I would be close to being able to justify that. Yeah. Because I would. I would have to save throughout the year, put aside that money I mean, for that. And that in man. saying that, I think the 1901 is a steal for the price. I was just gonna say, even though that's it, what even that's what is makes up me want ten thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. What it is, it's a bargain. It is. It, you are not gonna find. A movement like that, executed in that way, for anything under I'd say fifteen. Yep. So that's where, and it's I beautiful. wish I'd bought it at the pre-order price of a, of what seems now like a like a bargain of eight thousand dollars Canadian. Yeah. Even then, like you're you're getting into. We talked about this. It's the other day, and, yeah. and what kind of the the steps up in price you go. It's, it's all different ball mm-hmm. games, and at eight to ten thousand dollars, you're getting into a pretty expensive ball game you are um, you are buying something that people are going to look at and be like what you spent that much right on i don't even know what that is but, but at the same time the ming man Whew. fantastic job and i i'm excited to see instantly when i saw them release the 1901 mm-hmm. first thing i did was check the price yeah because i wanted one yeah um 
but we'll have to see what they come up with next. Yeah. Well, and they're just, they're, they they're going to fill in that mid range, right? Seventeen oh one is the one I have. Nineteen oh one is the is the one they just released. Yep. Eighteen will come out with something. They basically showed what they could do. Exactly. Look what we can do at this price. Look what we yep. can do at this price. Now we're going to fill it in the middle. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully. Well, I'm sure they will. Yeah. Um, so I bought the Ming, fantastic, uh, and just so happened that the it came with three different leather straps, and they all Again, fit my Viso date. Unheard of, amazing. Yeah. yeah. As as we were talking about earlier, you can spend literally thousands of dollars on straps. Exactly. And this one came with three premium straps. It's amazing. Yeah, they're all calfskin, but and you know what? The uh, 1901 ships with different straps, and those are premium, proper straps, like straps that you get. They're made uh, somewhere in Paris. Yeah. By like a proper designer. Oh wow. Um, so again, a lot, again, a, a huge bargain and I, I'm so excited for the Ming brand mm-hmm. and you know, Ming, hey, uh, I can be your Canadian ambassador. Give me a shout out. I love, I love what you guys are doing. Um, so got the Ming, um, after that I was, uh, I was looking to fill the tag, uh, void in my life because I stopped wearing the aqua racer. Yep. So that's when I purchased the SKX that was probably around October. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the SKX. It's my most used watch. It's those been, are two watches that when you told me you were getting them, mm-hmm. I was like, what the heck are you doing? Yeah. The, both the Ming and the SKX. And then yeah. after there, you really grow to love them. Honestly. And, and I just ordered a stainless steel, uh, a strap code stainless steel bracelet yep. for the SKX. What they say is, cause the SKX is already a pretty beefy, nice feeling mm-hmm. watch. Now when I'm going to put a stainless steel, I can't wait to feel how hefty and like solid this yeah. thing is going to feel. And uh, the, the stainless steel strap goes mounts right up to the case. It's it's rounded, right? So which we which boom. we've discussed before, and I'm not yeah. Much of a I fan love of, that. But that's that's for I me. I also I also don't like bracelets. Yes, exactly. so oh, yeah. yeah, I I don't mind bracelets. I think that they they can they can change the look. Like at work, I don't mind having a bracelet on. It yeah. gives it, it gives it a nice commanding uh, thing. But anyway, I guess in your line of work, yeah. Like yeah. for me, I'm in an office. Mm-hmm. I don't mind wearing a leather strap all day. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's that. And then uh, finally the Hodinkee system 51 that I'm wearing right now. That was yes. uh that was a impulse buy and I'm happy. Oh, well, actually, no, I always wanted a system 51. I just needed a reason to buy yeah. one. And Hodinkee offered me. I that think reason. both of us went on that waiting list and yeah. only one of us got a mm-hmm. message back. But honestly, like it, I think it's beautiful, beautiful from the front. No, it's, it's solid. Uh, Very cool. It pairs well with so many different outfits. Yep. And then you can always, I'm going to do it right now for you. You can always have a blast taking it off. And appreciating the artwork on the back. Yeah. I, I, it's a little, me, that's, it's different. You don't really yeah. see a stylized um, rear casing like that. Yeah, but. Oh, definitely not. And not for the, for the money that I paid for this. Again. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, bargain. Absolute bargain. Stra- again, straps are more expensive. Yeah. Re- literally. Mm-hmm. Cheap straps. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I guess a year in review, that's basically it. Um, quite a bit. I mean, I, I, I modded quite a few of my watches you know mm-hmm. with different straps and different cases for yeah. at least in the case of the g-shock um and yeah i i obtained quite a number um going forward goals for 2018 i don't know what's going to happen with this Oris big crown pro pilot i uh, honestly you know what i think what i don't think you're gonna get it yeah probably not it, it it's just, i don't really need it uh just uh, i'll tell you guys the story of what happened so one of my goals for 2018 was to buy my first vintage and uh, that was ignited, especially this past um, weekend, because I'd come across finally a vintage that I like. For a little while, um, I think Ben Clymer from Hodinkee put oh, it yeah, in my he, head yeah. that uh, Universal Geneve 
is yeah. a fantastic way to start out vintage. Yeah. So he's always talking about the yeah. posting. I, I think he posted it, uh, him wearing a Universal Geneva yesterday. I think he actually posted the exact watch I'm talking oh, about. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so funny. it was just weird, the timing there. But yeah. anyway, um, so ever since I heard that, that was probably six months ago, I've been looking into Universal Geneva as a vintage, as a beginner vintage option. Yep. And knowing me, I mean, you know. And I'm, in saying beginner, I think they're one of the the most renowned vintages. Oh yeah, to date. Uh, they're 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 very well built, and there's a there's a large amount of them, so it helps to keep the price right. down. Yeah, but um, so I've always been looking at Universal Geneve through Kijiji uh, in Canada. Here, found a lot of nice vintage pieces, but I never had a story behind the watch to really push me mm-hmm. until yesterday. I was actually uh, on the toilet, where most of my fantastic ideas come from. Going through a Instagram story for uh, an Instagram page called Analog Shift. Check them out. They have a lot of really nice vintage stuff. A lot, a lot like Theo and Harris. Um, but I was going through their Instagram story and I came across uh, a watch that immediately drew my attention. The last time the watch immediately drew my attention was the Ming. Um, I I just saw it in like the thumbnail of a video from Hodinkee. Boom! I knew I wanted that watch. Right. Like that's for me. I know I like something when it when it comes to me immediately. It draws my attention. So. I saw this uh, this watch, drew my attention. I, I looked at the name. It was called Pole Router mm-hmm. or Pole Router. And I searched it up. Obviously, it's Universal Geneve. It is one of their most popular watches. Yep. So it just shows that I haven't been researching enough because I had I'd never heard of it before uh, this past weekend. And they've gotten very popular. Had I come to find out about the Pole Router six months ago, I would have been laughing. I probably could have got one for under $1,000 in, in the exact spec that I want. Um, but now because they are, they have become very popular. They are like the bees knees. If you're into universal Geneve vintage, this is, this is what everyone's trying to get their hands on. They have, you know, and likewise they become fairly expensive and everyone's already eaten most of the popular looking ones up. Right. So I guess I should give you guys a little bit of a reason why they're so popular and why I probably won't end up getting one now because I'm not willing to spend $3,000 on a, on a vintage watch. Um, the the pole router was commissioned by the Scandinavian Air Force in the uh, in the mid 1940s um, to build a watch that would deal better and keep time flying over the poles um, mm-hmm. where there's increased magnetic field. So they because Universal Geneve was built, was making watches for the Scandinavian Air Force, they were commissioned to build a watch. That's where they came up with the pole router. And they uh, contracted out the design to a young designer at the time. He was 23 years old, Gerard Genta, I believe his name was. Mm-hmm. And you'll know him. Uh, I mean, he's the one designer a lot of people, a lot of watch enthusiasts know because he's responsible for the AP Royal Oak and the uh, Patek Gerald, Philippe. Gerald, you mean? Gerald. Yeah. Sorry, Gerald Genta and the Patek Philippe Nautilus. So both watches that, that look very similar, but he's responsible for both those designs. And his what they what people say his first successful design was was the Universal Geneve pole router. So what do, what do I love about the pole router? I love that it's got the crosshair dial. I love that it has the polished bezel inside. Sure, can I interrupt? Yeah, I just searched his name up, and he also um, designed the IWC engineer. That's right. Yeah. Another another claim to fame. So he is he's honestly Omega Constellation. Yeah. Like honestly, he is he is watch yep. design royalty. Yeah. So right there, I love the person that they contracted design it. All right. I love the designer behind it. I I love the story behind it. It was commissioned for the Scandinavian Air Force. It was a tool watch. Yep. It's an aviation style watch. It has a great story. And on the case back of and again, this comes into the ones that I want. It this watch was produced for about uh, forty years. 
So over four decades, they they really, because this was their most popular watch, they really had a lot of different models. When you go online to find a pull router, you have to know what you're looking for. Personally, for me, I like the, the, the classy one, black dial, crosshair with the date window and, uh, and the polished uh, bezel that's inside on the face of the dial, mm-hmm. inside the sapphire. I also want on the case back the emblem that shows the route on the globe that they traveled to get from uh, Europe to the U.S., flying over the pole. I think that that's very important because that speaks to the story of the watch. And unfortunately, as I learned today, all of the ones like that have been sold, it seems, or are $3,000 plus Canadian. So the likelihood of me getting my hands on one I want, slim, and I wouldn't settle for one that I don't want. There's also ones that have the bumper movement compared to the newer ones that have the micro rotor. The micro rotor is much more impressive and was actually picked up uh, a couple decades ago by Patek Philippe and I think revamped. The micro rotor is a is a better movement. The bumper movement, similar to what you see in vintage Omegas, I don't like solely because you it's a less uh, refined movement. You right. actually feel the bump. It's a rotor that doesn't spin the full way around. It it's a rotor that yeah. spins back and Bumps forth back and forth on on a spring. Yep. It's not very refined, and, and if if you're a collector, you're probably not out there looking for bumper movements. You would do that if you just didn't care and you just wanted the look of the pole router. Right. But I think if you're interested in vintage, you you, you set your mind on something that you like, mm-hmm. right? And and I like the micro rotor. So given all that information, the likelihood of me picking up one of these watches this year is slim, but I'm going to keep my eye open uh, and try to consult people who are who would know more about vintage than I do. Uh, and yeah, other than that, I, not really anything else. My next watch, my next big watch purchase probably won't be this year. Uh, I might wait a little bit, Yep. you know, if something, uh, should happen in my life in the next little while, I might commemorate it with, with a watch. We'll see. That'll, uh, that'll probably be my next big watch purchase, right. but probably not this year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, otherwise I, I, I'm happy. I have, I, the reason why I started looking at this, uh, this pro pilot, was solely because I had to deal with the embarrassment today of receiving an email from a seller. That's of, not embarrassment. It's embarrassment That's for me. part of the game. But I missed he had, the part where he said he had sold this gorgeous pole router. Um, so Hey, what are you going to do? Yeah, I know. But I don't. I honestly don't need another watch at this point. When do you ever need another watch? But Always. Yeah. I it never ends. I guess. That's one thing I've learned this year. It doesn't end. It doesn't end. No, you can never satisfy. Yeah. I thought... I, I told you. Would you ever sell... A watch? Um, I don't think I have enough to need, like, need or want to sell them to, yeah. to even think of it. Um, maybe I can see myself one day getting to a point where I may, if I don't wear it, I'd rather have it go to someone. Maybe even not sell it. Maybe just give it to to someone in yeah. the, my family or something, just to get more use out of it. No, it depends. Like something yeah. like the Panerai? No, no, of course not. Um, yeah. Something like the Oris. Yeah, yeah, I could see myself getting rid of it if yeah. if 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 there comes a time where I have other watches that have just taken over and I don't wear it anymore. Exactly, I would either give it to someone that's that I one, know or sell it. Yeah, that's something I'm specifically talking about. It's just like you you just have too many. Like I'm at the point now where I have is it about ten? I think I have ten watches. You've got quite a bit, yeah. Yeah, and uh, some of those I would never get rid of. My grandfather's Seiko, right? Of never course. get rid of. But yeah, yeah, yeah. some of them, like I, I, and I, I always told myself I'd never sell the Viso Date because it was my graduation watch. I did buy it myself. I'll be honest. Yeah. 
<coughs> oh, a little bit of a little bit of a cough there. Yeah, <clears throat> I did buy it myself, but yep. uh, it. Um, I don't know. I I started to see some of the Seiko cocktail times, uh, or they don't mm. call them cocktail times anymore. They're pre-sage. You're really into Seiko after you got that SKX. I'm telling you, man. It's not that I, I I don't pretend to be the person. It's like oh, Seiko's better than everything. No, but a Seiko has its place, and yep. there's not a lot out there. Um, if you go to the average person who and you you know who doesn't know a lot about watches, they're going they're gonna say oh Tiso, I've got I've got a nice Tiso. Uh, they're not gonna say what kind of people do you know that have those voices? Sorry, I don't know. I'm just saying that Tiso has <laughs> occupied the the entry-level quality watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. When in reality, Seiko, I'd say for less money in a lot of cases, you get a better watch. quality, yeah. Yeah, so... But like you said, that's the difference of knowing what's out there and what's not. Exactly, and so I would have no problem having... I I, I think it basically comes down to what local stores carry because if you Mm -hmm. go to a generic jewelry store, you'll walk in... What are they going to carry? They're going to carry your designer brands exactly. like Gucci and blah, 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 and they'll carry Tissot. That is exactly it. I so, went into a local jewelry store that uh, that was around us before I bought the SKX. Uh, so they're located in Vaughn. And I already knew they didn't sell Seiko, but I just wanted to see what, what they would say. So I went up to one of the girls working there. And this is no fault of her own. I'm not, I'm not ragging on her or anything. But I said, um, oh, I'm just here to change the strap on my uh, – or to, to get a – I had to get something for the Tissot Viso date. No, and I think you went to go polish your. Uh, sorry, tag. that's what it was. Yeah. yeah, I went to go get the bracelet for the tag, and uh, and uh, as I was waiting, I said, "Excuse me, do you guys uh, have any Seiko here?" And she sort of looked at me weird, and then sort of scoffed and said, "No, no Seiko here." <laughs> okay, well, relax. You sell Hugo Boss watches just over there, so maybe don't yeah. scoff at Seiko, right? But uh, yes, it, Seiko was not seen as a. It's not a brand, unfortunately, in this area. It, it, where we live in Canada, people do not admire or right. or. Um, I think it's. I think it's just the area that we live in. Yeah, I think if if you go to a place where I mean in Japan, I'm sure Seiko is held to to a very high regard, and they they, they should they deserve. Yeah, of course, they it. make like a grand great Seiko. Product. Yeah, um, you know, and even With the spring drive. My I gosh. don't think. Yeah, I don't think there's too many watch companies out there that offer such a great high end and also such a great low end. You can get a great Seiko at $250. You can get a great Seiko yeah. at $6,500. The, the build quality is equal throughout. Exactly. They do a very well, good I job. Sh- I shouldn't say equal Not because equal. the build quality of, of a $10,000 Seiko is going to be much different than the build quality yeah. of $200 Seiko. But the craftsmanship and quality is, is still there. Exactly. It's it, not, I, exactly. You know what I mean. I 100% agree. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, as far as watch goals, hopefully we'll get, I'll get my first vintage. And if I don't... Yeah, I won't be upset. It's yeah. Okay. Well, but I'm, uh, I'm the thing sure. with the vintage is it's it's nothing. It's not like it's something that you can go to a store and you know they'll have it there. Exactly. It's something you gotta come up. You spend with, like, upon. multiple months looking, and yeah. and yeah, that's where it comes down to. That's part of the fun of buying yeah. a vintage. Exactly. Um. Yeah, I think. I, mean, I think that's it. That's it yeah. for me. That's it for this week's episode. Mm-hmm. Um. What do we have coming up next week? Actually, the Detroit Auto Show starts next week, so yes. we'll have some fun stuff there. Of course. Um. Ford just recently announced uh, diesel, so hopefully we'll have some more some more information on that. A diesel yeah, that's going to be game changing. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll have some definite updates for you there. And, hey, you want to uh, go to the Detroit Auto Show? Yeah, let's hit the Detroit Auto Show. We've no, thought of it before. We, we have thought of it, but 
I think we're going to do something special for you guys for the the Toronto. Uh, well, of course, we Cana- will be the CIA. We will be attending. Yeah, it's C- Canadian International Auto Show. Uh, yep. CIA. It's not a. It's and I don't know why, but it's not part of the North American International Auto Show. Like all the big yeah. ones, like Los Angeles, New York, Chicago. Uh, I guess they, it's not as big. That's it. Tokyo. Yeah. Geneva. Yeah. L.A. Detroit, L.A. I don't anyway, know why, but hey, whatever. We're, we're going to do something it's special for you guys for that. Um, but yeah, otherwise, thank you for listening. Yeah, and you can look forward to some more online content online on content. Instagram. Yes. Uh, follow us at Time Lapse Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and that's it. That for is now. it. YouTube will be coming hopefully sometime oh, soon. Hopefully soon, yes. Um, and yeah. You can also listen if you're listening to us on SoundCloud. We are also on iTunes. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we're, we're also, also on, on SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Uh, yeah, at Time Lapse Podcast everywhere, everywhere, and happy 2018, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.